We're live. Well, we're, live. we're on. What are we talking about before? Harry Styles Harry and... Harry Styles and, and Lord and Lady Gaga and Billie Eilish. Performers who are not just a... Um, like a like a straight boy band where it's like you look good and you can dance and sort of hold key mm. you know performers who are who are actually really good like truly artists you know like they can sing they're writing their own songs mm. um another one so this is my nie- a lot of this is my niece's influence uh taylor swift is another mm. one where i was like well taylor swift but like oh god she's really good too mm. she's like very talented writes great songs great lyricist and kind of giving it sticking it to the music industry too like the whole she like re-released her i don't know if she's doing this with every record mm. but she like re-recorded the entire record exactly like the original so that she could release her own and own all the master recordings so the record company Whoa. owns the original like version of i think it's called red yeah and which was one of her big records and she couldn't for whatever reason get it so she said i'm just gonna re-record every single song and do huh. it and it's like so good it's like almost identical i guess like she just got it like right back to where which i think was insane to me like that you yeah. could even capture like something really really good like that twice yeah like that's actually kind of amazing um what's amazing is that legal gymnastics she must oh my have had to gosh perform. i think she has a lot more clout now you know yeah. so she's had the ability i don't think just anybody could have pulled that off yeah how do <laughs> i, I think... re-record my master so i can keep them yes <laughs> yeah but There's if so you can avoid if you can avoid doing that in the first place but it's, yeah. it's hard you know like you're i when i, I was in a band called push start wagon mm-hmm. in the 90s and we signed to a small independent label called brainstorm artists international mm-hmm. in uh, uh costa mesa Huntington oh, yeah. beach somewhere down there and we uh it was really cool because we got a guy to like negotiate our contract or whatever which was basically you kind of sign at least back in those days like you would make cds mm-hmm. and you would have to recoup the cost of those CDs. So they, they are charging you. Yeah. We're going to make 10,000 CDs and we're going to charge, you know, and this is how much it costs. And so after you've sold X number, then you start making profit or whatever. Mm. So there was all kinds of weird things in those contracts. And we had someone we knew was really very savvy in that circle. Mm. And he negotiated the contract for us and it was great. And we owned all of our stuff and, and then as soon as he signed the deal, he said, okay, you guys never do a deal like that again. You need to hire me. So he became their, like, whatever label representative. Oh, and, cool. And uh, oh. he's going with a red pen yeah. to that contract. We were very happy to uh, have a basically base control of our stuff. Mm. Um, not Good. that we ever did a whole lot with it, but um, but it's cool that... You know, like, and but some people that having the label do it gets you to a place where you can then have any kind of clout or whatever. Yeah. Or, you know, like to have that influence because you're on a label, they have more money, they have more infrastructure to like 
promoted or whatever. It's so tempting, right? You want to want to have that label. You want to have that on on your on your printed copy. Yeah, know? and 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 for some people, that's a really great option too. I think you know, like, um, and there's bands that can totally do it without and are very happy. And and I think I, I think there's there's definitely bands that regretted that, like those kinds of decisions. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you Billy know, like, Corgan went off on, uh, on oh. Joe Rogan's podcast about it. Really? He just okay, like I can see that. spilled all the secrets about the industry, and it's like, man, it's horrific. Yeah. <clears throat> He's, yeah, he was on, what is he on? Not Interscope. Columbia? I think it's Columbia. Yeah. But I've never had those problems. <laughs> <laughs> They're Small, good problems to not have. <laughs> it is. And it, I mean... Uh, I, I I would love to have a big record that hundreds of thousands of people heard. That would be amazing. I'd love oh, it. Oh, yeah. Because I think every musician, I shouldn't speak for every musician, I would love for mm. a lot more people to hear my record. I mm. would love for a lot more people to connect with my music. And, um, you know, if if I had some kind of guarantee, I think a lot of labels guarantee things mm-hmm. to people. And I have heard this even just in the small time that like when I was in the other band, like someone's like, you guys are so good. You're going to be, you're going to be huge. And mm-hmm. just people just say stuff to you mm-hmm. and then it doesn't happen or it doesn't happen how you thought it was going to happen. And then you're yeah. like, Oh, okay. So people just kind of blow smoke up your ass. They just <laughs> say things and they don't always mean it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Oh, some of those just general life lessons, I guess, you know, <laughs> like if it sounds too good to be true, it might be too good to be true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if you're saying you can bypass all these steps to get to something and it's so much easier, I think a lot of times there's consequences, you know, to skipping those steps. Oh, for sure. You can't trust shortcuts, especially when it comes to this. You yeah. Know? <clears throat> when it comes to spending money, to make money. It's yeah. Like, if there's a shortcut offered, nah, I, I wouldn't trust it. Yeah. If you find a shortcut yourself, that's, that but might it, be a You discovered yeah. and or you made the shortcut. Yeah. You know. Yeah. If you, you, like, if you could streamline something, great. You figured out how to make your own merch, you yeah. know. And like you buy a printing press or you rent one or you, you know, you figure out like how I can not be in charge of you know, just sending it to this company and they pay, they charge me for everything. Like I was talking with, um, do you know funds for Jimmy? Are you familiar with them? They're a local band. Yeah. Oh, you've got to talk to them if you haven't. Yeah. They're, they played a uh, DBA yeah. uh, fairly like, recently. Like Sunday night, I think. This past Sunday. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Or, or they were at the Haven. That's DBA, right? Same place. Uh, oh no, it's not right the same street. place. Okay. Yeah. Same They've building. done a couple shows around there, but they're like, um, Molly, who's the lead singer. She was my student at mm. Lone Hill Middle School. And like, I heard her sing and I'm like, oh my God, she's, she's got a thing. Yeah. She has a thing, you know, like not just her voice is very, very good, but like she has like a presence. Mm-hmm. And so I remembered like that back then. And then when I heard she was in a band, I'm like, oh my God, they're going to be so cool. They're super cool. And she was talking about the fact that like, just like she bought like bulk t-shirts mm-hmm just so she would have the shirts, like literally just the blank shirts. Mm-hmm. And then she will work with different, like she's found a really good uh, um, t-shirt manufacturer. And so mm. she'll just take the raw shirts and they'll print it right on there. So she's already paid for it. It's covered. 
And instead of having the company charge you more because they're shipping it in and then they have to ship it out, she goes straight yeah. to the distributor. Those are, those are some of the shortcuts that I think you pick up if you're in a band all the time. You start going, hey, why mm. are we, you know, why is this so expensive? How do they do it? Yeah. And you just start asking each other questions, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the same with, like, writing music and recording music. And um, I, I did a whole path. I was in my band push start until like 90 95 96 i got married and it was like oh shoot are you gonna be on tour all the time Mm -hmm. like and we didn't really talk about any of that we're like oh yeah i didn't even think about that and and so i left the band Mm -hmm. because i was like well i just got married and i don't want to like destroy my marriage by just being (laughs) gone um and we didn't have any conversations about that so so i still wanted to do music and i was i'm never not going to do music i don't think um but I don't remember the point. So, oh, D- DIY it. Yeah. Well, so that yeah. So then I started like trying to learn some basic like recording stuff. So I had like a you know I had a little four track that I got, mm-hmm. little cassette four track, and then um, started making recordings and little demos and and then I got a bigger uh, digital uh, like an eight track. And then I went up to a 16 track. Mm-hmm. And in fact, one of them, Sufjan Stevens recorded like his entire, like one of his entire albums with it, with like one microphone and that machine. And mm-hmm. it, it sounds like the best thing I've ever heard. So <laughs> I have not achieved that yet. Um, but I got to that. And then I've kind of like, I moved to Pro Tools um, because a lot of my friends were using it. It was peer pressure. Mm-hmm. They were just all my friends. I would knew I could get help mm-hmm. because they were using it. And so I would be able to get advice and like, here's the software, here's the physical stuff you might need. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so I've done a lot of like my gear purchases because I know somebody mm. that's already been doing it again. Shortcut. Shortcut. Yeah. Shortcut, long cut. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you could have, that could have been just trial and error for a year longer than it had to be. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it was, it was pretty great to like have friends that were doing stuff and oh for sure i i talk to my recording friends all the time like hey uh how do i do this how do i you know how does this sound or you know yeah. just little questions little consulting questions yeah. and yeah it's good to know people yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is really good to know people and i i i love community i love being involved with people and i also like doing stuff on my own i like recording stuff on my own the hard mm. the hard part about being in a band was the group decision making for mm. stuff and it made things take really long. So like yeah. that's actually one of the reasons why I wanted to start learning to record myself too cuz I was really dependent on my my two bandmates. Uh in fact Ben, he's amazing. He has his own studio in Monrovia. It's really good. Like he's like up at this level up here somewhere way 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 up here. Is that the one that I met? Uh Ben. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's Ben. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's he's incredible. He's a great drummer. He's a gr- he's a great producer. Like he has a great his brain, like how he hears things and like he he's really good. Mm-hmm. Um. So anyway, so like he was already doing like recordings for us, and my bass player too, and they were both using Pro Tools, and I'm like I don't even know how to use Pro Tools. It's like too crazy for mm-hmm. me, you know. But um, but then I was like I really want to record something, and I don't because we were taking way longer than I wanted to take, you know? Mm. And so I started learning it. I'm like, okay, all right. And it took me a while to get it to where I was like, felt comfortable with the quality of the recording. Mm-hmm. Um, 
before that i was using like audacity yeah i recorded into audacity that's a bare bones app right yeah, yeah. it's super bare bones. i have that's a song what i started like, on <laughs> on uh it's on spotify it's called eddie vedder told me there'd be days like this <laughs> which i love that song title i literally wrote that song title for this okay february album writing month fom fawm.org um you try to write 14 songs in 28 days of February. Oh, jeez. And I've done it every year since 2008. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. And I write, and some years I've written like 30 songs. Some years I've written just like 15 or whatever. It depends mm-hmm. on the year. Um, but that taught me that I can write, I can write 14 songs in a month. Yeah. That's and amazing. like, I was like, because I always wondered how bands would just go into the studio and write a full album and like, they would lock it out for two weeks and come out with an album. Like, how does that, how is that possible? Drugs. Drugs. Drugs <laughs> is part of it. I think drugs is part of it. But I think if you're high the whole time, you don't actually finish your album. Um, although some people have. So, you know, hey, if it works for you. Exactly. That. Was that, was that really? <laughs> no, 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 it was, it was uh, abstaining from, from, uh, it was abstaining from, the, from yeah. it. Okay. Cause Billy is like kind of a taskmaster. He's a taskmaster, but Jimmy Chamberlain was not. And uh, he had to. He was the one that had a drug problem, drums. right? Yeah, yeah, <coughs> yeah. I remember that. But um, so getting into the studio, writing fourteen songs. Well, yeah. So just cranking them out anyway. So that helped me like start using Pro Tools like so much, and I was just using it all the time, and realizing I could work quickly, I could come up with different parts, and my recordings were okay. Now I go back and listen to some of that, and it's just but <laughs> some of it is really cool too. There's like things that were like. I didn't, it was like, just, I don't know. I didn't have like, I've, I'm sure there's some things that you learn that you just start doing that aren't necessarily useful for every situation. Mm -hmm. So I I would do certain things back then that were probably really dumb, but because of the way I played it or whatever, it sounded pretty cool. And I'll go back and listen to it. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is really cool. Why did I do this? This is really weird. Why didn't I use compression or (laughs) why is there no EQ on this, but it still sounds cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a lesson too. Like, there's so many ways to approach recording music. But oh yeah. Sometimes you hit that right recipe of like lack of knowledge, or or I forgot to turn something on, or X, Y, and Z, <laughs> and it creates a cool yeah mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Like mistakes are a great part of music. Mm-hmm. Um, like accidentally doing something, recording, um, spontaneously. I was just reading tape ops are really cool free recording magazine it's like this indie recording thing and um you and they're talking about how they would do these takes they would do like uh, it was a rem peter buck this they were in a band i guess and the first two three takes when they were learning the song Mm -hmm. there's all these cool things happening because you were just like oh my god what's good what's next uh Mm -hmm. you know like when's the next chord change and then you just try some weird thing yeah and he said after they learned it it started getting kind of boring and it wasn't exciting anymore so they went back to those initial takes where it was like a little on the edge and Mm. a little a little weird and some weird parts and like those tended to be more um the final thing mm-hmm. or, or the thing that guided what they did. Right. I found that my initial takes of things tend to be better. Mm-hmm. My initial, like the first time I'm first couple of times I'm doing it. Now there's, there's exceptions. There's, I have songs where I've re-recorded it like five, six, seven times. And then I finally got a version where I'm like, finally, you know, <laughs> like, um, in fact, 
on my new record, I have songs from 2007, 2012 that I wrote Whoa. the song mm-hmm. back then, but I was, I was afraid to record it or I didn't have the, like I had the idea in my head, but it just wasn't possible. And I'm like, I can't, I can't do the song. It's too important to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to mess it up. I, I'm sort of at the place in my life where I just want to do it, just record it. It's not going to be, per- there's no perfect song. Mm-hmm. It will always forever be able to tweak it for the rest of all time. Like I've heard lots of um, artists go back and listen, you know, and they're like, oh man, the, the guitar is out of tune on this, but it's like iconic mm-hmm. and you love it and you don't even think that at all like no one thinks that but like if you're the person that recorded it or you didn't tune your guitar that day and and that was the take and you're just always thinking about like i listen i have this uh band that i grew up listening to called the 77s they're Mm. on uh island records and they u2 was signed at the same time so Mm. the budget for 77s was like (laughs) and so (laughs) and that record is so good good it's so good Mm. still like i listen to it now and i'm like oh man these this is like really good and i listened to this podcast and he was talking about it it's his least favorite record and i'm devastated i was like no (laughs) no i think i think having the label involved and like lots of there were lots of different parts it probably felt like maybe Mm. not entirely his or right you know like too many cooks uh, in the kitchen root and mess with things. Yeah, and I understand that. I, I understand that. Like, I've had things where I'm like, when it finished, I was like, mm, yeah, I'm really, <laughs> I don't know if I love how this came out, but it is what it is, you know? That's Tom York with Creep back in the day. <gasps> oh, really? Yeah. I think it was more, like, due to the commercial success of it. I, I think that he hates it. It was so big. Like, yeah. <laughs> I understand. I, I get it. They're, they're amazing. That, that They blow my mind all mm, the time. Even that song, like... You could argue it's, I don't know, probably not even the best song on the album, but it's really good. It's catchy as hell. Yeah. And uh, the chick that's the... Yeah. And I heard that was like a, them just trying to fuck up the song. <laughs> I, f- I feel like that's what... I, re- I feel like I read something about that, and they're like, this is so, so boring. Oh, it's man. like he just like did that, and it was mm. like, oh my gosh, that's electricity, you know? <laughs> I, need to re- I need to read up on that. I want to find out. Oh, yeah, there's a great... Uh, I think it's, I think it's an authorized bio on Radiohead. Oh. Yeah, and it's, um, it's really good. It tells all those stories. Like they didn't used to plug in uh, Johnny Greenwood's guitar because he kept he kept wanting to join the band. And he was like the younger brother, and that's funny. Like ah, oh, we don't know about this kid and whatever. And he would hang around the studio, and they didn't plug his stuff in for the longest time. And then one day they they did, and like oh wow, he's really good. Oh crap, he was actually. <laughs> <laughs> like playing actual scales in the same key. Yeah, and now he's writing scores. Yeah, there his stuff's amazing. Yeah, he's ridiculous. <laughs> Him and Trent Reznor. He's somebody I wish I knew more about. Uh, yeah, I see. I remember Nine Inch Nails being very scared of Nine Inch Nails mm. when I was in high school. <laughs> I mean, that's what you know. Rock and roll is usually like any kind of music. Nine Inch Nails was. I forget what they would have been termed back then. Like, I feel like there was a a term for it. It was like... um, Industrial? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Yeah, industrial. And that was kind of a new, Mm -hmm. new newish genre. And it was like really like, you know, like really intense and really like dark and, and, you know. Mm. I mean, there's some songs on there that are pretty... They're still pretty like intense, like 
if you listen to them now, yeah, um, the downward spiral, right? Yeah, that's the one. Oh my gosh, yeah. I remember this. Like, I remember like that freaked me out. Or like the Jane's Addiction album covers, and were always like really like freaky looking and cool. The nineties were a really dark time in in album covers. They were very yeah. dark. <laughs> I think I don't know where that came from. Maybe the eighties were too sugary, and that was kind of a, I guess, you yeah. know, like a response to the. Yeah, I mean, you you see the death of heavy metal. Um, yeah. or hair metal yeah. turning into grunge. And then you see the development of industrial from bands like, or from like punk bands and bands like ministry and oh yeah, ministry. New bands and like that. They took ministry. a radical turn. Yeah. They used to be some like eighties bubblegum pop band. And it's that's a ba- funny. Yeah. It's a band that like, it's an era that, What's his name? Al Jorgensen refuses to acknowledge anymore. He hates it. It's <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, with so sympathy is a solid album. I don't know. <laughs> it sounds like Depeche Mode type. You know, just one of those top of the pops. Let's dance to this. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> but then it it got dark, and I I even there was this band called the Fibonacci's. It's um, a great name. Right. And uh, they they did this really interesting stuff, like a lot of like watery strings in their in their arrangements and. And uh, their album covers were always, or they only had like two. One of them was a lot of text and looked pretty cool, but one of them was dark. These ghosts kind of floating around a dark city, and it reminded me of. Do you remember the Mask, the movie? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, Jim Carrey. Yeah, and yeah. if you happen, if you happen to remember, like, or like even like Tim Burton's Batman. Oh yeah. How Gotham looked in just like that weird dark. Weird angles. And, Weird angles, almost yeah. comical in its color arrangements, but still dark, right? Yeah, and still menacing. Like, what was going on in that? Menacing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what was going on in the 90s? I was too, I was a kid, so that was, I, I, I was a, That was my, like, and that's, I was just, I was in college, finished college. That was all the 90s. So, like, yeah, I was really, and one of the bands that I discovered in the 90s that I love, Pavement. Mm. Um, Steve Malkmus now, and he does a lot of solo stuff. Um, and oh man, that that blew my mind. That there was a single. It was called "Cut Your Hair," mm. and it was on K Rock, and it was the most anti-pop whatever was playing at that time. Mm. It was like, oh my gosh, it was like this slacker rock, and it had this crazy solo that was like single note. Like it was like. Uh, just like rapid playing of a single note that was just kind of bending and I'd never heard anyone mm. solo like that before. Like I just hadn't heard that kind of soloing. It wasn't like your shred metal where it's like, mm. it was like <laughs> one note and he was just kind of bending it, but like playing it super fast. I'm like, yeah. that is, I don't know why it just floored me. Yeah. And, um, I really, I loved Weezer. Weezer's mm. and still like rivers is very amazing. He's an amazing pop songwriter like mm. um our band was like really into weezer so that was like we kind of my first record was probably more weezery mm-hmm. um and then and then we're like through the late 90s we I, I left the band but then we actually did another record in 2005 and we were all kind of into wilco mm. and like yankee hotel foxtrot and summer teeth was a big influence that that record the wilco record um and that's when oh god what else came out around that time there's coldplay rush of blood to the head Ooh. which was such a good album 
I'll defend that album to the death. I will too. I won't I, defend them anymore, but I, like that I, album for sure. I I really like Coldplay. I, I haven't been into any of their like most of their new stuff. There was a song <clears> called <throat> Magic. Oh, this is a good song. Mm. Uh, and that was on a later record. I liked. There was like three or four records after Rush of Blood to the Head that I really liked. Um, XO or XY. X and Y was good. I really liked that yeah. record, and I liked. Um, Parachutes. Oh yeah, parachutes. Mm. I love that. That was this is yeah. really good. That's yellow, right? That's on that record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, Both that's a those real... first two had all the hits. There's so many good yeah. songs. They've they have consistently written some big songs. Oh, for sure. It's crazy. They've been in the zone uh, for a long time. Yeah, and I know I know it was cool not to like Coldplay, but I I liked Coldplay. I still like. I'll still hear stuff that they do and I'll like it. There's some stuff that's a little too. I don't know. Like U2, I was really into U2, and I mm. haven't really wanted to get any of their, like, later records. I was just, I, you know, I found them in the, like, late 80s, mm. and then they just did so many cool different things. Like, kind of how Radiohead went from um, uh, OK Computer yeah, to Kid A, Amnesiac, like, that change. Yeah. And, like, even OK Computer was, like, from the Benz, and the Benz, they really, like evolved a lot yeah which and, was so cool and going back to what you were saying about recording songs and then not touching them years for years later i think okay computer was written before the bends like somewhere between the bends and um, really? pablo honey Ooh. and they had come back to them what? a few of them maybe not the entire that's album cool. but yeah and you find some of those on b-sides and that's so cool you know the rarities if you can find them i uh, pirated a bunch of them back in the day. Uh, did you? I, okay, so I heard a whole thing about In Rainbows and OK Computer being like, like, oh, have you listened yes, to that? Yes, it does work too. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and both of them like In and OK, yeah. and then Rainbows and Computer are the exact. You know they did that on purpose because you've seen like but Tom how? York's Crazy Brain. Like, well, yeah. I think I think they, I think they already had OK Computer, and I think. That they they just planned when they made in rainbows they looked at it and said okay let's let's, let's play with this let's play with this yeah. you know like and and see who catches it because I don't even think they like I, that wasn't their announcement is, huh that wasn't their announcement somebody discovered that I think I think so yeah. like I remember I didn't know oh which record was it there was a whole other uh there was a whole other booklet under the CD that you didn't know was there. No. Yes. Which one? Uh, oh, my God. I yeah. have all of them. You, oh, my God. You're, okay. There's a, one of them has another booklet. Radiohead. Uh, hold up. Right How have I missed this for no, 25 years? Which, which album has the hidden booklet? Oh, my God. Kid A. Kid A. That makes sense. It does make sense. <laughs> if you pull up the bottom, there's a whole other thing under there. You're going to go home. you got to do that it. tonight. Damn it. Son of a Tom York in <laughs> your entire time. damn artsy crazy crap. <laughs> yeah, like there was a whole thing. And I'm like, that's so oh, freaking that's so cool. cool. And that's not something you find in a box set. That's you, that's something you find right there. Yeah. Oh, I, lo- I love that kind of stuff. I think mm-hmm. that's so like that. That. That attention to detail mm. is why people are so devoted to Radiohead. Oh, for sure. And also, the I heard, I've mm. never seen them live. I want to see. That's like one of my bucket mm. list bands to see live. Because um, my I have friends that go see them religiously, and they're like, "Yeah, it's the 
best freaking show. And they, I've also mm. heard that about Nick Cave. I hear Nick Cave brings it I like heard he, no other. I've exactly. I've heard it's a religious experience. Yeah. Like, to 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 go through um, one of his shows. And the fact that he plays through so much tragedy, like man, this guy is tortured by the Just, universe. Man, has it out yeah. for him? I swear. Yeah, he's yeah. done a good job channeling it. Like so, no other, man. Yeah, yeah. I I saw Radiohead from a distance at at uh, Coachella. I saw them. I actually did see them once. I saw them at Tower Records, oh, and I was this close. Oh my god! And That's they were six feet on the, the bends. <laughs> Oh and that was actually amazing. And they were so drunk. Like after the show, they, after the show, they were like, they were so drunk. They were so drunk. Oh, they did man. not. I'm sure they did not want to do this like little rinky dink show. But yeah. man. During the bends too. Dude, wow. it was so good. When they go to that little part where it's. Yeah. I, I was like, <gasps> like three guys all playing this cool harmonized riff. What is happening? And it was like, cause it goes from that other sound to that mm. really tight little riff. Oh, that video changed my life for just, Oh my yeah. gosh. Oh my They're so, They're, again, one of the greatest. Yeah. Radiohead's freaking good. Yeah. They're so good. You know, your top five <laughs> can change constantly. Right. They're always I, they always manage to hold the number one spot. Yeah, see, Radiohead is up is up there for me. Wilco mm-hmm. is another band that keeps doing cool stuff and is just musically interesting to me. Um, I really like Sufjan, although he's released a few things where I'm like, that's weird. But then he does he does uh, the stuff that I love, like that he's done, like Carrie and Lowell, um, Michigan. Uh, 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 Come on, feel Illinois. The Illinois. Come, yeah. yeah, come on, feel the Illinois. I'm still waiting. He's so, got 47 more yeah, albums to record. What's going on, Sufjan? <laughs> uh, I thought that was a genius. That was such a genius marketing ploy that they they did. Uh, he had no he had no intention of finishing all those albums. I hope he didn't sign anything to that effect. Though. I don't think he signed anything. To that. I think that was like <laughs> something they worked out with Pitchfork just to like make it seem cool. He probably just they just said that, and it's like sounds you know, about right. And he seemed ambitious enough that maybe he could actually even pull that off mm, i bet it was some overzealous writer too at pitchfork and he's just like yeah yeah that's totally what yeah, i plan on we're doing we're gonna do 51 record for each state <laughs> maybe if we just did an ep for each state maybe, <laughs> maybe that would work out that would be more reasonable i i would lo- i looked forward to the to the 50 albums and uh when i saw that yeah. it wasn't happening i kind of just gave up so sad. And, then, and then i went so to sad. to wilco though the recordings of um when he when they went to uh, the Woody Guthrie song. Oh yeah, book. I didn't love those. Oh, they were good. I, I didn't those. love those. Uh, I don't know why. I the don't first know why. one, I didn't listen to. It, there was two albums. Mermaid I, Street. Or yeah, Mermaid, Mermaid, Mermaid Avenue. Avenue. Yeah, the first one was really good, really good. I didn't listen to the second one though. Um, I just never got around to it. I, and I discovered Wilco. See, I feel like I discover these bands like at their like sophomore or junior record. Yeah. Like like the replacements. Uh, I found on Don't Tell a Soul and All Shook Down, which as I've like people that are diehard replacements fans really like their like older, more punk stuff. And I like mm-hmm. some of that too, but like, I really like this and it was more like, and I guess people will tell me this is really Paul Westerberg's solo stuff. Like, 
<laughs> he's basically like a solo record and then he became a solo artist and I really mm. liked his stuff. Um, and who was that other band that I was going to say that about? Um, I wanted to compare it to. Now Wilco. Oh yeah. Wilco. Mm. So I found Wilco at Summer Teeth mm. and there was being there, I think was there a really big like double album. And like, mm. I actually got it like a few years ago and I'm like, Oh, this is really good. It's, I get it. Mm-hmm. Why people like really love this record, but like, I came in on Summer Teeth. That's like, man, Summer Teeth was... And then the Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Is that the one with Impossible Germany? Yes. No, no. That's... Oh, that's Sky Blue Sky, which is... Is a, that Sky Blue Sky? Yes. Oh, love that. That is... I love the sounds I came in there. Yeah. of that record. Like, the that lush... The drums are so um, thick yeah. sounding. And, like, it's got that 70s, like production like jammy feel to it yeah impossible Almost germany like oh my steely gosh Dan kind of feel yeah, yeah. Mm. oh my gosh i love that whole when you break can, down that whole bridge when i could sing a whole solo back in my brain yeah it's like how well and that's a solid that. what three minutes i think yeah yeah yeah, yeah they go for a while <laughs> they go for a while and i can like hear most of that in my head and like it's like man this is so good oh yeah and it's completion too. Like it's it's oh man. Oh, I get chills thinking about Nerds. it. That's when it... <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I I that is a I love that record. Oh yeah, I love that record. Um, and then there's some of the later ones I didn't get. Like I just I mean I like them. Um, Ghost the Ghost is Born Ghost. Um, I didn't like that record as much. And I think he talked about. I think I read something about him. Like oh okay, he was like in the worst part of his like, like substance abuse Mm. stuff. And like, and there's definitely, you know, some of that dark darkness and, Oh yeah. And, and internal angst or whatever. I'll, I also love that about you. Um, Yankee hotel Foxtrot. Mm -hmm. That record was, I was like, I got that. Okay. Computer and something else. And I was like, Whoa. It was like, listen, I think I feel like that's might be what, when people heard like, pet sounds or or, oh, or you know uh, sergeant peppers or something where yeah. it really like blew your mind and i was like this is blowing my mind like mm. what is happening it's so weird but now i listen to it i'm like oh this is like almost poppy like it's weird that like some of that could feel poppy mm-hmm. but when i heard it it was so man so so many weird things happening but so cool mm. um you know do that for me uh a door Going back to Smashing Pumpkins. Oh yeah, yeah. Was that I, the dub? Was that a double or was that like a? Uh, no, that was no, that melancholy. wasn't melancholy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, a door. It was a long one, but it was. I don't think it was a double. Um, they I kept found doing that cool one. things. They've always done cool stuff. Yeah, Zeitgeist. I wasn't a big fan of, but um, that came later, and I don't know. Whatever. He kicked everybody out. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> I met. One, I knew. I actually know <laughs> the guitarist that he has, Jeff. Um, Jeff Schroeder, he was in some of the like, like kind of little, little smaller bands that were playing in the scene here oh, in Southern cool. California. Like I met him and before he was in, <laughs> in the Pumpkins, mm. but um, he was always really good. He was a good player, oh, and he man. was very like, 
he really had like all these different sounds dialed in. And I think for Billy Corgan, you need someone that can like, okay, I need this sound for this song. And he's the kind of guy that's organized and can like pull all that stuff up. Yeah. He's got to be a master. Like, what'd you call him? A taskmaster. Taskmaster. Oh yeah. I think he's definitely a taskmaster. On top of that, he's just, what a creative human being. Oh yeah. The fact that he wrote Siamese dream entirely by himself and everybody just kind of played it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that blew my mind. I was like, that's one of their greatest albums. Yeah, I love I love that. That might record. be their greatest album. And it's their first one. And it's that just that blows my mind already. You know? It's like Adore was great. Adore I found I found like a busted C D in high school. It was all cut up and stuff and it said unknown on it. And I took it home and I was like, What is this? And it's kinda of scratched and it's kinda of like, you know, that's coming through. And I listened to it all the way through and I I ripped a bunch of, um, I ripped the album basically <laughs> from Kazaa or something like that. Oh, wow. Remember that one? Yeah, <laughs> I do remember that. That was Napster and all those, that was that whole that time whole period. Yeah. yeah. Morpheus. Um, Morpheus. <laughs> and so I got clearer copies and I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. There was a record before Siamese Dream. Which one? Oh, Gish. Gish you're I right. like Gish. Gish was good. There's yeah, some cool stuff on Gish and there was a, there was a like a B side or something from Gish that I was like, oh my mm. gosh, it had like this beautiful like harmonized like he did so many things with like layers of guitar. That that was also yeah things that blew my brains right out of my head. I was like, what? Is it was happening? very rough though compared to what they yeah. Siamese Dream is like fully realized Gish. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Let, give him full control <laughs> and. Don't let which could also destroy a... you, but but <laughs> in this case, it it certainly made for an amazing, amazing album. Man, I always forget about Gish because I, dare I don't. You. Yeah, I know. How dare you? <laughs> oh man, I never think of. I I can kind of picture the cover. Again, I can't even another the cover. It's another dark, like just macabre '90s look. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> taking, taking a trip down memory lane. Yeah. The 90s. <laughs> what I listened to, well, I was a kid in the 90s, but I loved just the radio at the, t- at the time. K-Rock was the one. Mm-hmm. And Smashing Pumpkins, Gin Blossoms, uh, Goo Goo Dolls. I went down this Goo Goo Dolls uh, uh, rabbit hole during the pandemic, during quarantine. I was going to... I wanted to interview them. I thought, oh man, pandemic, everybody's inside. They might be attainable right now. <laughs> I might want to talk to these guys. So I went just down this, all these interviews and this guy's kind of a dick and like, <laughs> but they're, they were so fun. And they're, did you ever hear their first, their early stuff? They were a punk mm. band out of Buffalo. Oh really? Yeah. And they were just doing, they did a couple of covers, like don't fear the Reaper in a kind of a punkish way and just long hair, just, kind of hair metal looking guys and they were really cool and they're another one that i'll always think about yeah um dizzy up the girl that's the one is that the album yeah okay i remember that title yeah semi-sonic semi-sonic that record still strong i think i I want to revisit that one no, that's uh, no, no, no. That's semi-sonic. That's um, third, third eye blind. blind. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But semi-sonic <laughs> also closing time. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's that guy wrote a song for Adele. He wrote a song for. He's a great songwriter. He's oh. like 
a songwriter songwriter mm. um dan um oh gosh i can't believe i can't think of his last name dan anyway he's <laughs> a r- amazing song dan if you ever hear this please forgive me um i, I, I also write, forget I this write a song with you um yeah but s- third eye blind semisonic semisonic oh yeah I can hear you singing to me in my sleep. It was so cool because the drummer played, he played with one hand here and then he played this little cheesy keyboard playing the, and I was like, that is so cool. Oh my God. Man, drummers are so versatile. Or Presidents of the United States of America. I know Peaches. I never got into that. She's love. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I remember I was because we were in the band and we're like, oh, my gosh, he's playing a guitar, but only has four strings. <laughs> he took off two strings. Why? <laughs> so he can only play low notes or something. I, I remember that thinking that's so cool. Or there was a band. How was it? My oh. Bloody Valentine or. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, there was a band with two bass players. Oh, no, it wasn't My Bloody Valentine. You're not thinking of Morphine, are you? No. Mm. Oh, do they have a double bass player, too? Not double bass player, but they had one the the one lead guy on bass and uh, and vocals. He took off two strings. He took off the mm. middle two. Um, oh. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, he's the only person to do that, I think. And Yeah. Ned's Atomic Dustbin. Ned's Atomic Dustbin. <laughs> yeah, they had two wow. bass players, and I thought that was crazy. That was some like. Why does that sound so familiar? Did they have a? They were. were they they had a single. They had like a single. I feel like they were from the UK, mm-hmm. and they had like a, a like kind of a big breakthrough. And there was another name. band called Adorable. Adorable. They were adorable, and they had a <laughs> great song called Sunshine Smile, and they were sort of like. Um, there's bands like Adorable, Catherine Wheel. Oh. Catherine Wheel. I love Catherine Wheel. Yes. Oh my gosh. Chrome. Chrome. Oh. Uh. Which one's the best one? Uh, I'm I don't remember. F- I, Chrome, I uh, love Ferment those shoegaze days. Ferment has one crazy long building song that mm-hmm. was like, In the time of my dreams, mm-hmm. with you there. They just mm. Chrome is probably. I feel like that's my one of my favorite. Happy Days was really good too. Um, there was a. Oh, was that single? Judy staring at hmm. the sun. And it had like uh the lead singer of Belly, hmm. Tanya Donnelly or mm-hmm. someone, and she was like singing with him, and it was it was a great song. Oh my gosh, Catherine Wheel. That's yeah. a band I just got my friend. A plus reference, dude. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, my God. I love Catherine Yeah. Wheel. So I'm going to have to listen to some Catherine Wheel. They were better than, I mean. They were better than a lot of the bands out there. It's sacrilege, but they're better than My Bloody Valentine. Uh, yeah. yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Remy Zero. Remember Remy Zero? Remy Zero, no. They had a really cool song, too. That was sort of like towards the end of that. And they had a they had one album. They had two albums, but there was one that had this really cool single. It was it was really really Remy really good Zero. song yeah Remy Zero, um, but that was because these are all bands that like come to my brain when I think of Catherine Wheel, mm-hmm. and uh, my band was playing shows and we were just listening to like what this new stuff that was out and it was like oh my gosh this is so exciting you know it's exciting mm-hmm. kind of hearing like the new thing but Catherine Wheel, we saw them they were they were great where'd you see them I saw them in Hollywood, and it was 
it was a small venue. It wasn't a large venue. Mm-hmm. I remember that while we were waiting, the sound guy played the Sundays and it was like a new song by the Sundays, another band I love. I mm. absolutely love the Sundays. Um, and they played a song. I'm like, this sounds like the Sundays. Like they hadn't released anything new. And I guess this new song had come out. And if you haven't heard the Sundays, mm. man, I might every be thinking single of the record, Mondays. it's a, not the happy Mondays. Yeah. Um, that would be a fun show though. Happy Monday, <laughs> the Sundays and the happy Mondays till Tuesday. Till Tuesday. Okay. There is, a band. is there a Wednesday? Band? There is a Wednesday. Okay. I actually was listening to them recently. I'll send you something. They're really cool. <laughs> okay. Thursday. I there don't is know Thursday. Thurs- okay. Uh, yeah. Screamo band from the, uh, late nineties, early aughts. Oh, this is good. Friday. 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 I'm in love. Mm. Yeah. I saw, I mean, the cure, oh. there's a great band. There's a band that has such a wide discography that I feel like I'll never get to it completely. The Cure. Yeah. They're like they're almost like Dylan at this point where it's like, man, I don't unless you started early, it's going to be tough to to jump in some guided by voices Friday, is another I'm, one. Oh yeah, guided by voices. Yeah, they've like Lord. 50 albums. Yeah. I don't know where he to start. He writes so many songs. I really I really <laughs> dig um some of his stuff it's hit and miss for me it is because there are some songs that feel just bad Mm -hmm. like this is bad they were just so high and they just like (laughs) did crap but then they'll they'll do some songs where i'm like oh my gosh this is so powerful and so interesting i think it was the album i want to say mag earwig (laughs) is what it's called like i love his title just the titles of the songs it's right on brand to me were so weird i'm like what um and like really inspiring honestly like there's like a i found like there's a website where someone like basically has every you know they like someone that archives like every single song title they have and just like just look through the song titles it's like inspires songwriting for me oh wow like yeah. just reading the titles mm-hmm. you know it's like two planets and a, a, a i don't know i can't even do it <laughs> i can't even do it it's like he chooses the most interesting combination of like adjectives and nouns that like i would never put them i i know i, I think there must be some kind of system to it like it's like how understand. beck writes lyrics is it that makes sense <laughs> that makes sense beck's amazing too beck's one of those like he only got better yeah. right yeah and every single time and like i'm a big i'm honestly a big fan of his scott pilgrim work did he what he was the he was the guy who did the stuff for scott pilgrim oh no way yeah. yeah i wrote a song literally because of because of that first song the scott pilgrim song like mm. i was like this is so fucking awesome like it's just like so raw gross guitar sound mm-hmm. it's just like the drums it's just like so garage rock but it's so poppy yeah like there's such a cool like melody or whatever like i was like oh i want to write a song i wrote a song called yummy yummy bang bang (laughs) that was me trying to be scott pilgrim you can look that up later it's one of my virtual bands Uh called the future future kings of denmark nice fkod (laughs) i love that abbreviation too it's so cool to say it fkod um (laughs) so there's some cool i have some cool stuff with a co-writer and i do some solo things with that like stuff that wasn't my like more mellow acoustic indie poppy kind of stuff I would do under future Kings of Denmark. And then I have a band called dove pilot. Mm. We named it before 21 pilots, but it's no, we'll never... I didn't even think about that. That's a cool name. Yeah. And 21 pilots. 21, no association. There's 21. No, no association. <laughs> um, 
And that band has actually got some really, really cool songs I'm like really proud of that I did with my friend uh, mm. Pedro, who produced my, my current record. Mm. So like we've been friends for a long time. We met through uh, this songwriting film TV company called Taxi. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they basically take a, like a TV show, we'll send them something and say, hey, we need a song that's co- sort of like 21 Pilots, Blurry Face. Um, for this scene mm-hmm. and and then uh, Taxi will send that out to its members and say this is someone is looking for a song in the style of and they'll give like three bands that are similar so anyway mm-hmm. all that to say my friend and I met there like he actually ended up mixing something for me or like he just mastered it he like took my recording and just did some stuff to it and I was like oh my god that's so much better than everything I'm doing mm-hmm. what did you even do <laughs> and we started working together and I gave him all my tracks just the raw tracks and then he mixed it and it was a thousand times better than what I had tried mixing oh, um, wow. it was yeah, so much better it happens. yeah yeah <laughs> and th- that song we even got it it was placed in the Mindy Project oh wow and it, I'm so proud of it except that it's like you could barely hear it but it's in the <laughs> episode where the National is uh-huh. in it and they're like, they see the national like at some festival uh-huh. and the lead singer walks into the tent and in the background as like, it's the band that's pl- supposedly playing at the festival is our song. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. So you're on stage. No. In the. Well, whatever. In the canon You don't even the see show. it. Yes. In the canon of the show, my band <laughs> is in the background with the national cruising into the tent to talk yeah. to Mindy Kaling. Apparently but, following the national, which. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was, we were, I went to a, um, I feel like a, like an adult summer camp for recording mm, in of these. Venice mm. Beach. Mm-hmm. And it was, just, it was like a, a bunch of songwriters. We got into groups of four. Each group came in with a song and then we had like a studio drummer and we were kind of all going to produce our songs and mm. like kind of learn the process and just sort of see it happening. Yeah. Um, and I found out that like the, the lead singer for the national had been there and recorded his solo record and Phoebe Bridgers had been in there. And like, I'm like, Oh my God, this is a very cool studio. It's called earth star studios. Mm -hmm. It's in Venice. And it's like, you would never know it was there. And you go in and it's just like this cool, it has like big hippie vibe energy. Like, it's just like, there's like cool, like tapestries hanging to like help mute the sound everywhere. And, but it was like a really nice studio too. Mm -hmm. It just had this vibe. It was vibey. Yeah. It was very cool <laughs> and uh, super inspiring, you oh, know. That's so cool. And um, it's like right that was my beach. national tie-in. There was mm. another. <laughs> so the dude was there and uh, yeah. went while you were there or he had, or no, he had just I been wish. there? No, oh. they had, they, he'd been there. Mm. I don't know when. I don't know when. Yeah. It could have been 14 years ago. Yeah, yeah. It could have been, <laughs> it could have been last week. I don't, I don't think it was last week, though. I think you mentioned this camp at your show uh, yeah. at the, at the church. Some of the people yeah. came. Oh yeah, yeah. Some of the <laughs> nice. people from the camp came. Yeah. It's it was it's Sam's Recording Academy. Mm-hmm. This uh, and, and he has a studio in Whittier, and my friend Katie, who sang with me, mm-hmm. is an accomplished producer, songwriter, engineer of her in her own right. Um, she only rehearsed with me like twice, three times. Really? Yeah, we've never rehearsed in person until wow this last week yeah she had a beautiful voice yeah she has you guys worked voice. very well together yeah we we know each other really well like we've we've talked and interacted for years mm-hmm. in fact we met through fom mm-hmm. i met her i met her dad 
And then her dad got, she got on there through him. Mm-hmm. And then he said, you should check out my daughter. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's amazing. Mm-hmm. She's, then that was like four trillion years ago, like in 2009. <laughs> wow. Um, and then, yeah. Yeah. No, but she's, anyone she sings with will sound better. Mm-hmm. She just, she's really good at like hearing what's happening and then blending into it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. She's ridiculous. That's so cool. Yeah. And it was, it was awesome. It was like, I couldn't have thought of a better person to like help me. Do, Cause I was at one point I was looking to get a drummer to come out and like mm-hmm. do like more, like try to do it like the album. And then I'm like, you know, one, I don't think I can pull it off time wise, but mm-hmm. two, two people, she plays an instrument. She actually plays a lot of different instruments, but um, I think we can do a lot dynamically with two people. Mm-hmm. I love, hearing a little more stuff. I get bored of myself sometimes when I play just acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I'm boring. <laughs> if I'm boring myself, I'm sure I'm boring people in the audience. So it was really awesome. I don't know. I'm sure, you know, you, you, you'd be surprised. Yeah, right? I, I know. Some people I mean, people eat it up. Yeah, you know? they do. The I, minimalism of it, you know? Yeah. I was watching, um, Connor, uh, Bright eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw him and like he captivates, you know, cause he's just so he, his lyrics are so good. Like mm-hmm. he's so intense. Um, that's yeah. So yeah, it just depends. It just depends. Yeah. I, I like, I like playing solo acoustic, but I really like, I like writing and recording a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a little work up to prepare everything to perform. Sometimes it's the worst part for me. Mm-hmm. Like the, the preparation it's like, it's a little, it feels a little stressful sometimes, you know, like I bet. Yeah. But I'm at the point where I don't care if I have a music stand and I'm looking at my music. I've written hundreds of songs. I can't remember them. I, yeah. I mean, I, this set of songs, I feel like I know pretty well because mm-hmm. I've spent so much time with them recording and listening to them over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and I haven't done that in a while. So it's actually kind of a good feeling to, I like that musicians don't kick themselves too much about that. Um, yeah. Like, they will, of course, especially in, in some kind of, like, crowd banter at a show. It's like, oh, shit, I forgot the lyric. or Yeah. Uh, oh, ignore that. Blah, blah, blah. It's, like, it's like, I don't blame you at all. Uh, yeah, no one does. I feel like someone gave me advice about that at one point. They're like, if you don't say anything, no one's going to know. I feel like they said, like... Other musicians they, are going to know. The other musicians, <laughs> The other musicians might know. But um, if you don't call attention to it and you just keep going, yeah. you know, it's fine. Because I've seen people who are so like, they're so just true and genuine when they start over and make a mistake. Then mm-hmm. it's cool. It's like part of what you love about them or whatever. Yeah. And there's other people who just do a great job of just kind of, you know, you just, the show must go on mm-hmm. and you just, oh, I forgot that line, but I keep going. And then the only people that notice are your diehard people who are like, oh, yeah. he played the D7. Normally it goes <laughs> to the F sharp minor. Don't know why he did that, but that was obviously a mistake. Um, yeah. Do you ever do you ever catch yourself uh, crossing your arms at a show and like, ah, oh, this guy? Yeah, yeah. It's that's the that's the hard part about being, like. He, I think everybody does it, but you do, yeah. and especially if you're a musician. Like I used to, so I used to be. I mean, I picked up my first guitar in church. I was in youth group in church. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember, like, even, like, listening to, like, the worship bands or whatever Mm -hmm. that were playing. I'm like, 
<laughs> this guitar player's not very good, you know, or like whatever. Be really judgy. It's hard to be even involved in it, like like to be worshiping, because I would just be hearing the, you know, yeah. the chords or like the arrangement or like, oh, this is really cool, or you know, I was listening for the like the music and not like necessarily like getting into it. Well, yeah. I was into it. I was into it for a long time. But the virtuosos are distracting. They are. You're too good. You're playing too well. Yeah, why are you in this church, man? You should be a solo artist. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I grew up in um, going to Calvary Chapel. Oh, my God. Okay. uh, Phil Wickham. Oh, uh, yeah. He was my youth pastor for a while. And his brother, Evan Wickham. Wow. He wrote some songs that I played. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. In church for a while. I yeah, really he, like uh, was into him back in the day. Yeah. Uh not Costa Mesa. What is it? Uh Oceanside Vista. I think that's where it was. Yeah, I would go there during uh in the summer to visit my aunt and uncle and they were a part of that church. So Evan Wickham, his brother, was the youth pastor. Uh Phil Wickham tuned my guitar at camp. Uh <laughs> Wow. Tuned my first guitar at camp. And uh Yeah, such nice that's guys. Awesome. Could play anything. Yeah, he's uh, very talented. Yeah. Great voice. Yeah, great voices. Uh, but you get distracted by how good they are, you know, because mm-hmm. then I just want to learn how to play guitar, and I thought of nothing else. <coughs> and I didn't really learn how to play. I, I learned how to hold a few chords. but uh, That's all yeah. you need, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, three chords. Two chords and the truth. Two chords. Three chords Even two truth. chords. Yeah. You can do – I just wrote a two-chord song. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It was just sort of like playing like – found these two i like these chords it's just like d and mm. then i did i really like that chord i don't even know what that is it's some kind of sus i don't know and probably still is that d. a it might be you know what it might be like kind of like an like it some sort like of a. a yeah kind of it is kind of a, it's kind of an a but i just i started playing that and I started improvising it. Like when I do something that's really simple like that, mm-hmm. I try to think of like, I'll sing some sort of melody and then to make it change, I'll make the melody like either jump up an octave or, 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 or change the pattern mm-hmm. so that you can have that two chord thing keep going in the exact same length of time or whatever. But like it, like it gives it that intensity. There's some songs like that that are so cool. Do you remember the band James? Yes. Okay. They had a song called Out to Get You. Oh, oh so good. I couldn't name a single song, but Man. I heard them Blade. all the Blade time. Blade is the song that everyone knows. Blade. You, you die my eyes and call me pretty. That's the one. I used to go to this dive bar. <laughs> dye my and call me pretty. Yeah, they're really good. They're a great band. Yeah. Great band. And they had this song called Out to Get You. And I think it was two chords. Oh my God, it's beautiful. Oh, I love that. And it's just like, yeah, with, uh, insecure. What you gonna do? They're so small, they could step on you and call me up. Answering machine 
When the human touch is what I need, what I need, what I need, what I need, what I need. And it just kind of build and have like these drums. Gorgeous. That's so good. It's so good. And it's just, it's, it's almost like the two chord thing creates like a, not a hypnosis, but like a, really a hypnosis. Yeah, it's kind of for like a sure. Hypnosis. Yeah, because you just get locked into it, and yeah, I it mean, is. it's you're... like a drone. It's it is like a medit. It's like a. It's like a. Yeah, I guess it is sort of like a hypnosis. It yeah. sort of creates a, which is I think, with churches and worship music, there's a a little bit of that. Like there's certain songs, because of the repetition, mm-hmm. um, which can be used for brainwashing, but can also, <laughs> <laughs> which is was, we'll get to that was later. used for brainwashing. Um, <laughs> But like, can also create like it does. It creates kind of an altered mm. state where you sort of, you know, that's why people. I don't know if it's just because you have two chords and that creates the altered state or whatever. But like, I mean, like, Radiohead does that so well. Like where they create this groove and it's just mm. like, you know, and it mm. and it just builds and it just. It, but it hangs out in a place for a long time. Yeah, you know, and it lets you get into it, and then he just improvises and you know does in stuff rainbows over did that a lot yeah yeah i yeah. love it in rainbows like, is like for me it is way up here right yeah. okay computer in rainbow Ugh, i love those amnesiac is really good too i yeah, got a amnesiac um i even i the last what was the last one um, moon-shaped pool yeah mm. there's some really cool so i didn't love it like i loved previous ones um, I've been afraid to listen to it. Is it, it all Burn the, the Witch? Is that yeah. the song? That song is pretty good. That was a pretty good song. I think that was the single from it. And the single for Smile, which is feels like it's just Radiohead. Have you heard Smile? No. That's Tom York. And it's like three. Oh, another one of these projects. Yeah, it's another yeah. one of those projects. Like uh, Adam. It's pretty Adam's cool. for Peace. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I know. You say, There's certain points where you're just like, I can't. There's too much, <laughs> like, too well, much it, stuff. It, it became that like when everybody was in a super group, right? And so yeah. was that? Just asking. Oh, oh man. What? Temple of the Dog. Temple of the Dog. Yeah. That was like Eddie Vedder, uh, Chris, Chris Cornell, Cornell uh, some guitarist. Um, not Tom Morello. Screaming, um, screaming trees or something, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But then they all branched. Out. I mean, they were a pre-super group, right? Like the proto super group. Yeah. Because they weren't famous yet, right? Oh, yeah, traveling Wilburys. Traveling Wilburys, yeah. That was a super group. Somebody was just asking. They asked some band, "Where were we?" They asked a band, "So when do you become a super group?" Uh, oh. <laughs> my, I think my girlfriend wanted to ask. Uh, she was doing this like Q and A with uh, Interpol. Um, she was like in this in this room. Ooh. She not not exclusively, but like she was in this room with them, and um, and she, I think she wanted to ask like, so when does everybody branch out and become a super group? Because like they That's they funny. finally did this album, and it's apparently it's uh, a positive, you know, step forward. Uh, they had I don't know they had hit some kind of some kind of lull. Um, and yeah, and it just inter inter interpol inter interpol politics. <laughs> um, yeah, just that funny thing. Like when when does one become a supergroup? When does one become a supergroup? <laughs> Traveling Warriors was a fun one uh, to read about because it was like. Who is it? Bob Dylan and Roy Orbison wanted oh, to write right. a song, and then Him Tom Petty. Petty had their amp or something like that. So they go to his house, and then they all just start jamming. And yeah, 
What are we talking about? <laughs> I totally I don't lost remember. the point, but uh, yeah. Oh, well, we were talking about repetition, jamming, Radiohead, worship, two oh, chord songs. Yeah. Started with a two chord song. The two chord the two chord bits I remember that from worship all the time because it was always in between this is when the hands are up and the eyes are closed uh-huh. the buses and, will wait yeah <laughs> <laughs> you can come forward you can just come forward we'll pray for you <laughs> and in that state you're like yeah I need to I, like you're feeling something and I don't know I don't know maybe there was something there there was some oh for sure there was yeah. something going on and hypnosis some hypnosis yeah. some hypnosis some some uh, but there's some real human emotion tied to that that you get also at a Radiohead show mm. you know mm-hmm. or or whatever you know because I I remember like feeling that like about some like Tears for Fears mm. songs from the big chair I remember listening to that I wasn't allowed to because it was not Christian music like, <laughs> as a younger as a younger child I wasn't allowed to listen to any non-Christian music yeah secular music so if you were in Calvary Chapel, you probably had that same thing. Although in the similar, nine... my mom wasn't as strict. Okay, yeah. my aunt and uncle were though. See, I grew up listening to music starting in the '80s, so I didn't really get to hear Ramones or mm. like a lot of those. U2 is only I think because I went to a church, and one of the guys they knew that they were sort of kind of Christians in the band. Or mm. A couple of them were. It's like they have an atheist, <laughs> they have a Christian probably have an agnostic uh they're they're actually a pretty big mix but um somehow i was allowed to listen to that at one point but mm. like my mom like i think she threw out my tears for fears on but i remember that record songs from the big chair was like i cried listening to that record like it was so beautiful like there's some shouts on there woman in chains woman in chains um uh all the hits oh, are on that man. album that's everybody great, wants to rule the world everybody wants to uh, rule the world there's yeah. some there's a is it the hurting? And that might have been a previous record. There's another song on there that like just sl- slew me mm-hmm. every time, man. It was probably like the last song or the second last song. It was just like haunting. I have to go. I have to go find that. I don't. I don't know what song I'm thinking of, but um, like that to me, there was something so powerful about that, and I'm like, okay, that moves me. Mm-hmm. And like, why does that move me? Or like, wh- I, well, I don't wasn't asking that question when I was a junior high kid. I just wanted to like hear music. Like Joshua Tree moved mm. me like that. You know, like that was yeah. beautiful. Like so, just it sucked you in, and it's like a whole. I could sit and just listen that cassette, cassette over <laughs> and over again, um, wore it out. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and so those bands. Yeah, just like locked in to my conscious, you know, like, and that's, I was really looking for, for more of that. Mm. And like, I really want to make music that like takes people somewhere. And like, I have, I think some of my new record does that, like not, maybe not in the way like that some of the songs I'm thinking of, but like, to me, if I can, like one, I listen to my record and I still like it. Like I don't hate it. <laughs> like I'm like, and I've That's listened to it so many times. Yeah. Um, but I also really feel like I believe everything that I'm saying and I care about it. Mm-hmm. And it's coming from a very like raw, intimate place for me. Like probably 
and it's weird because it's like like I said, I had a song from two thousand seven, but I feel like mm-hmm. everything on there is exactly what it needs to be for what I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. You know, like optimism, sadness, you know, heartbreak, um, uh, love, um, unironically doubt. doubt, like unironic hopefulness, mm-hmm. unironic love. Mm-hmm. Because for me to write a, like a straight up kind of love lovey song was like really just didn't feel cool. <laughs> and being in an, like an indie rock, alt rock, pop punk band or whatever I was in. Mm-hmm. And um, not that I didn't have songs about love, but like this record like has like three or four songs like like that's very lovey kind of songs, but like very genuinely expressed where I am right now mm-hmm. and in a way that. I don't feel sappy or like it just, I really, I like, Oh, the Beatles, all you need is love. I get it. What they're saying. Mm-hmm. Like I heard that before and it just seems like, okay, <laughs> I mean, you know, okay. Love is cool. Mm-hmm. But the more I, and this is me having grown up in the church, like leaving the church in the start of the pandemic because just we couldn't go to church. Mm-hmm. And then having that break going, I don't want to be in church. Mm. I'm not going back to church. Oh my God. What does that mean? You know? So this is recent. Oh yeah. I was been, I had been thinking about what I believed pretty heavily. I I mean, I, like I said, I grew up in church. I went to Azusa Pacific university. So I went to a Christian university. Mm -hmm. I mean, indoctrination, Orama, you know, like I was in, the Christian world. Mm-hmm. I was in a Christian rock band. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, we wouldn't have called ourselves a Christian rock band. We were, we would kind of bristled at that. We were, we tried to not be a Christian rock band, mm. but, <laughs> um, but we we're definitely in those circles playing with a lot of those bands. Mm-hmm. Tooth and nail records, um, was a big mm. kind of Christian independent. They're still around. They still do stuff, but, um, so like in 2015, 2016, around the time of the election mm-hmm. of I, he who shall not be named, <laughs> um, I uh, won the co-opting of, of Christianity for the Republican Party for me was really blew my brains. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, what? Like, and it felt like for me, it felt like how I understood who the person of Jesus was, Mm -hmm. this was not what Jesus was about. Like, uh, and I I know, I know, I understand people would argue, well, neither was Hillary Clinton, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Um, I don't think she ever really claimed it. No, she really didn't. And that's what was so fucking disturbing. Even as a, even as a talking board point or like a, a ploy. I don't think she really ever. No, I don't think it came to that. No. And, and the fact that it was kind of claimed as this is God's choice. Mm-hmm. One of my close friends from high school is a pastor of a large Baptist, Southern Baptist church Ooh. in the South, mm-hmm. laid hands on Donald Trump, blessed him. And it's like, what is happening? Like before the election. Did his arm catch on fire? No, his arm did not catch on fire. <laughs> and it should have. It should have caught on fire. And... uh and I was actually talking with my friend all through the Trump president, like on and off. Like we weren't, you know, we were best friends in high school. Mm-hmm. 
And in fact, we were both involved in like a music ministry called Reality Rock, and they had these like Christian rock shows. And they were, I love, I still have great memories of working these shows, like where mm-hmm. I learned how to wrap cables. I would help set up the concerts. It was so cool to be yeah. like a teenager, and I'm setting up cables for this You're concert. Part of it. Yeah, it was so cool. It felt amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, it felt so amazing. And um, and uh, but like so, that process in 2015. That's where I started back to original thought. It was where I started questioning, what do I believe about God mm-hmm. or the universe or like origin of, and then I started questioning it like, why do I believe this? Is God, I said it out loud to a friend. I don't know if I believe God is real. Like, mm. and that broke me. I like was ugly crying in Starbucks. Hmm. Like, and this was a Starbucks where the counter was really close to where the chair, it was like a thin, <laughs> so it was like really yeah. embarrassing. But I was so, it was so disconcerting for my worldview. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't, I'm going to start crying right now. Um, and that was like six years ago. Yeah. It was so disconcerting. It still like rocks my world, but um, like I'm way beyond, like, obviously I'm not totally beyond it, but mm. um you grow up believing a thing your whole life and you believe that it's true. You absolutely like, there's no question. And then you get to a point where you're like questioning it. And then you're like, your brain won't let you not continue questioning. That's where I was. I was like, I couldn't stop asking the question. I didn't want to ask that question. I did. I wanted to believe God was real and there's heaven and everyone that dies goes to heaven. And I don't know if that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. I I don't. No one can really truly know. People will say they know because they have the Bible. I have this, that's, a, that's a whole other side tangent. The Bible proves the Bible. Yeah. So, but okay. you open something that oh my gosh can't be closed. I yeah. Mean. So Pandora's box yeah. was opened in like 2015, 2016. Mm-hmm. I went through a very painful process that I've seen people describe as deconstruction, which is taking your faith and deconstructing it and Mm -hmm. then see what's left, you know, and I've landed somewhere on the agnostic front Mm -hmm. punk band from the eighties, uh, where I, where I believe, thank you. (laughs) I don't know a single agnostic front song, but I know the band. I remember seeing the patches on people's punk, punk jean jackets or whatever. Oh yeah. The butt flaps too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Butt flaps. (laughs) Um, and I, I remember being scared of those kids when I was in high school, you know, like they're evil or whatever, like, cause I was, turns in, out they're nicer than anybody else. They're nicer than anybody else. <laughs> and they care. And they're like, a lot of them are really great people, you know, amazing people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, th- those are things that really bothered me too, was like, you can't be good if you don't have Jesus in your heart or you can't be, you know, fulfilled. And then I was like meeting these people that were like, just the best people Mm -hmm. and they didn't believe in God. I'm like, okay, so that doesn't fit. How did these two truths exist? Yeah. Yeah. And then it was like trying to like balance Mm. those, um, those truths. And, and, and it was like the election cycle really threw me because of seeing lots of people that I knew or cared about who were so in Mm -hmm. with Donald Trump and I'll just say his name, whatever (laughs) fear of the name, fear of the Voldemort. Um, I, I just couldn't wrap my head around it. Like what I thought I understood and believed about my faith and what was being co-opted and said, this is what Christianity is. Mm -hmm. This is the right 
form of Christianity. And then I realized that there's 7 billion different interpretations of the right kind of Christianity. And there's also like, like someone says you're going to go to hell now. And I'd be like, which one mm-hmm. of the 700 thousand gods that exist in different cultures are you referring to (laughs) oh you have the right one and and for me like i think it's very it's very possible there is something more you know like i want there to be something more but i also know that i certainly can't prove it and i don't believe the the bible i would i would have used to have told you i believe the bible is the infallible word of god Mm -hmm. calvary chapel hello (laughs) it's very biblically based right like it's all about the word and, and now I am at a place where I'm like, I'm sure it, there's a lot of errors in this and it's been translated multiple times by people. And, um, you know, uh, and I don't think that means that there's nothing valuable in there, you mm-hmm. know, but I also think there's valuable stuff probably in the Quran and there's probably valuable stuff in, in lots of different teachings and world religions. And I always thought that too. I was like, well, this sounds a lot like what I'm doing in, you know, like live in peace with your neighbor and in your personal life. Yeah. 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 And so, so that, that was like a source of incredible psychic pain. Mm-hmm. Um, shredding. Like, just, I felt like I was being shredded. Um, because yeah, like just like, like I said, it's how many years you've thought one way, 40 years, <clears throat> 45 years, whatever. I'm mm-hmm. 50. Um, and to like start thinking, I don't know, I don't know. And now I'm at a point where I'm like, I, who knows? I don't know, mm-hmm. but I can't accept it as it was. So this record is kind of coming out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, me being caring so much more about social justice, like, which I would you make fun of before, mm-hmm. you know, like, Oh, you just want to like hug it, actually hug a tree and you're crying <laughs> about a tree or something. And then there are people that are crying about a tree mm-hmm. and good. I love your passion. Um, I'm not there, Yeah, but I'm also like black lives matter. And, and, um, like that kind of radicalized me mm-hmm. to some of my friends that are like still knee deep in evangelicalism. Um, where I'm sure I, you made a lot of a lot more friends that way. Yeah. I have, <laughs> I have made some, but I have actually made some, and I've lost. You oh, know, like, no, that's what I meant. Yeah, okay, you're being sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, uh, yeah, my my pastor friend, um, we're not friends anymore. <sighs> the, I don't think. the Southern Baptist. Yeah, uh. and and I, I said some things that were, you know, I was an asshole too. It's hard I, not to be. It's hard not to be. And he was just when you get in the heat of it, it's like, yeah. And you never, there's no, there's no argument one on Facebook. There's no, none. you just don't, you're not convincing anybody. Mm-hmm. You're very rarely convincing anybody. I found that if I post an honest thing about my struggle with something mm-hmm. and not as an attack, but just like I'm whatever, then I get people that message me and it's like, Oh my gosh, I've been thinking that too, or mm-hmm. this is bothering me or, and I get people that will send me things like, Hey, you just need to pray. And it's like, okay, thanks. And, and I said, you obviously didn't get what I was saying. Yeah. You know, but you went to the default. Yeah. You went to the default. And when someone defaults me, like even my mom, like she's, you know, my, my parents are both, you know, they're still involved in a Baptist church. Mm-hmm. And my dad. So my dad is on hospice. He's had prostate cancer for years. So he mm. lived like a long time with prostate cancer and he collapsed on January 6th. 
of this year. Really? <laughs> yeah. I don't think it was had anything to do with <laughs> anything, but but it was uh, he collapsed. He had like a, um, a UTI, urinary tract infection, but mm. like because of the cancer and all the other health issues, it just dropped him. Like you could die from it. He was he was septic, and went to the ER, and then um, so like through all that, like I had never I hadn't told my parents that I hadn't told my mom that I was thinking I don't know if i believe in god anymore there's a time and place and that's not it, it didn't know and yeah. i will for sure i wasn't gonna say it then but yeah. like i didn't even ever want to tell her <laughs> i never wanted to tell her because i want i was like oh, i don't just break her heart too she'll just talk at me about like you just need to pray more mm. and um and i and not that i don't ever like I think it's great if people want to pr- like people say they're going to pray for me. I'm like, yeah, thank you. You know, mm-hmm. like, because that's like the same as if someone says I'm thinking about you or I'm like, that's how I take it. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that positive thought. And, and you know what, if it works cool, like that's yeah. awesome. That's a, awesome. Um, but like I was a devoted Christian. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, I know the Bible mm-hmm. better than a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm not, you know, I studied Bible. I almost had a Bible minor, like at a specific. And, um, uh, so I, I know, and I practiced and I was devout, you know, like I really, really tried to, to live those principles. And I think I still care about a lot of the moral principles and, and, and what I understood Jesus, like humility and compassion and love for the disenfranchised and, you know, um, like that's the understanding I had when you keep the red letters, right? The red letters, man. Yeah. <laughs> the red letters. But even even then, there's just there's stuff in the Bible that, for me, is super problematic. Like one of the things that I started following all these like atheist agnostic TikTokers. I don't know how. Mm. The, I don't know how the algorithm knew. It must have sensed my angst. But oh, you saw one and lingered for a second. And it's like, oh no, (laughs) how do they know? (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly how. And um, I found this really great one. Her name is Queen of Heathens. (laughs) And I just, just everything she said resonated with me. And and I'm like, why does this, because she's saying how the Bible is fake. And, and, but, but like, she knew the Bible. Mm -hmm. Like, because she grew up in the church, yeah, it was abusive, and she had weird situations with her family, and there's a lot of weird stuff going on. And, and, and I didn't have like horribly abusive, like, I wasn't feeling like I was like someone was abusing me in the church or something mm-hmm. like that. But being told that if you don't ask Jesus in your heart, you're gonna burn in hell for eternity, of stressing out about that for pr- decades, where oh, I yeah. was like. I don't know if I said the prayer right. I don't know if my heart was in the right place. I don't know if I crossed my fingers twice and spun around like the right number of times that, you know what I'm saying? Like I really, and I I was, I remember going down, they have, for those that don't know, for those in the audience, Mm -hmm. altar calls. That's what they would like, the pastor would start saying, Hey, if you want to ask Jesus into your heart, you come down, you forward and we'll pray for you Mm -hmm. and ask Jesus in your heart. And, I did that so many times, like at camp, at church, like, cause I was afraid it didn't take, that I didn't yeah. do it. I wasn't, sin- <laughs> I that, that I wasn't sincere, too, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, cause I wanted, I think that's a, I think that's something about me that's still true, that I want to be sincere. I want to be honest with myself, mm-hmm. with my own head. And not that we can always trust our own head, I guess. Um, but 
to me, like if I'm questioning if God is real, then I want to follow that and at least try to like understand what I do or don't believe about that. Mm -hmm. And even though it's so uncomfortable for me to like challenge that thing that I built a lot of my life on Mm -hmm. to not follow it felt even worse to have that lingering thing in the back of my head. Yeah. Something you're ignoring. (sighs) Yeah. And I've always wanted to be, I have always wanted to be honest, Mm -hmm. you know, like, um, which sometimes really fucks up stuff. <laughs> it's really fucked up, like relationships. It's a it's a rocky road. This For happened sure. to me in 2011, <laughs> so I know I know exactly what you're talking about. I lost the faith in 2011, and it's that was rough. That was a rough few years. Yeah. And when yeah, you so if you have your friends, if you have your circle of friends and your family, mm-hmm. and then like. How you was that? Was how did that go? It wasn't as dramatic because I I wasn't in the church anymore. I was still okay. a a believer. I would read the Bible. And I would do it more, you know, on my own. But you start looking at people differently. You start as you as you reconsider everything you were ever taught. Mm-hmm. You start to feel lied to. Yeah, and yeah. it makes you look at people like liars. Yeah, people who aren't liars. Right. And I don't like, look, I honestly don't think most of the people, well, I don't know. I don't know now, but Mm. I don't, I think a lot of them are sincerely, they grew up like I did and just are locked in and Mm -hmm. believe it. And some of them are locked in and believe it. And their whole financial security is based on it. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you're in the church, yeah, Yeah. you know, and you make (laughs) your money from people coming to church. So you've got to like maintain that whatever it is that keeps people coming to your church. Yeah. And, and it's, so it's tough. It's, I can imagine it's really hard to like leave, but I've, I've, I've hear lots of people where they, they're like, yeah, once I went to seminary and studied, I started having a lot more questions. Cause then you start like really looking at like, what are the source materials? Oh, there's all these other source materials mm. and Oh, these are different. And like, Oh, there's this little addendum and, who decided that these books were going to end up in the Bible? Yeah. What's the Council of Trent? Yeah. And how did that, yeah. how was that so divinely appointed? And like, just, yeah. there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that take a lot of faith, a yeah. lot of faith. And I agree that like me saying, oh, the, you know, let, I won't flip around to the other side and say, oh, uh, the big bang I know hundred percent happened or whatever. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. like, cause I feel like that requires some faith and, and like faith in the scientific faith process, in the scientific and... process or like, I mean, I remember seeing some things where people were carbon dating and they're like, well, we carbon dated this object and mm-hmm. it's 7 billion years old or something. And then someone carbon dated like a live, you know, turtle or something. And it was like 7,000 years old. And it's like, well, okay. So I, and I'm, by the way, I don't know the science of carbon dating, so Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's like some things you can really do, but I think it's, you're, you're making guesses. Like there's a lot of guesses. There's a lot of guesses, you know, but, but there's things like dinosaurs. Where did those happen in the Bible? (laughs) What happened to the dinosaurs? Do you remember Kent Hovind? Yes. Yeah. I grew up with Kent Hovind too. Oh gosh. Well, and Josh McDowell, uh, evidence that demands a verdict. Oh, a, I don't remember that guy. That was a, maybe that was like 90s, like mm. late 90s or something. Um, 
but it was like yeah. yeah so like all these like apologetics yeah that sort of like would justify um there's like, a lot of mental gym not even a lot of mental gym i, I won't even say it out loud because because <laughs> like he would he had such short answers for everything I remember Ken Hoven specifically, like he would kind of go down the list of reasons this could be that and, you know, where yeah. dinosaurs may have come from. Oh, maybe they were on the ark or maybe not. You know. At the same time, it wasn't a, too well thought out, you know? No. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the, there are people that have come since and I think have put more thought into it. <clears throat> and and I have some I have a couple friends that are like really um, good people mm-hmm. and they're deep thinkers and they've thought about and they're they're still really active believers you know and so yeah I like for those me people. i do too yeah i do too because the ones who are kind shaken. too yeah and, and uh, so like if they're exhibiting like what i see is like christ-like mm-hmm. jesus behavior you know and they're still in it i'm like cool but i feel like there's so many people that are just weaponizing it like I feel like the more religious, the more intellectually religious people get, the less, I don't know, insane they sound, you know? Yeah. 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 Because then they, they realize, this sounds silly. Yeah. And I get it. I know it sounds silly, but I'm going to tell you why it's not. And those people I want to listen to. I like those people. They've thought it out and they're not, they're not zealots. They're not pushy about it. They're just like trying to like work out like why do I have these questions? Yeah. Like why do I think maybe there is something that you know this isn't just random? Mm-hmm. Like see for me, I do like there are some things where I'm like man that this would just randomly occur. It does feel crazy, but it's also because I've told this in mm-hmm. life. Oh, this is you know you're it's it's I don't know <laughs> that you, this was how the universe ordained. became about it was preordained you mm-hmm. know and. Um, so it's, it's tough, man. I don't, like, I can't completely detach that from my brain, my Mm -hmm. brain that's, I am programmed with that information from such a young age that like, there's some stuff that will just always be a part of my thought process, but there's definitely things that have changed. Like, I mean, I, for me, like the treatment of the LGBTQ community, Mm -hmm. um, racial inequality mm-hmm. like even like the me too movement and like like a lot of those things when i saw that this is the side that like the evangelical mainstream church mm-hmm. that was with donald trump and the gop was like jumping on this side i was like everything they're doing i want to be the exact opposite the Amer- the american brand of it is disgusting it's super disgusting yeah and and i i know that like it's again it's like saying all people or whatever you know oh uh, it, yeah it, it's easy to get caught up in but to say things like that i know? think it's a systemic thing yeah like systemic racism like mm-hmm. the policing uh, there's there are wonderful people that are police officers mm-hmm. i know some of them um but there is a problem mm-hmm and it's the way that it's from its origin, even, you mm-hmm. know, like in slave patrols and like, and it's still like that mm-hmm. because it's never been addressed. It's, and, and, and I think that's the same with some of religious belief. And, it, and it's crazy how that intertwine those two things are mm-hmm. indicates hands wrapped together. <laughs> uh, 
religion and and politics and and king kingdom you know like conquest yeah colonization uh when the veil is lifted and you see it as a as a means of control it's it yeah. it's a hard pill to swallow yeah and it and i feel like i see that control thing used in lots of places yeah like the fear tactics mm-hmm. you know left and right mm-hmm. you know? oh yeah nobody's uh, innocent no no yeah. one is innocent and and it, and it, and then i'm like am i just like doing this because i'm getting the fear vibes from they're taking away my abortion rights mm-hmm. i need to be really mad but and i'll say this i'm a cis white guy mm-hmm. and i am really trying to hear what women are saying mm-hmm. because it doesn't impact me the same way but it but it does too because when when someone is a oppre- i forget who, what the quote is but when one of us is oppressed all of us are oppressed it's yeah. kind of like if if we allow this to happen that will eventually come over here yeah. you know so if, if it's allowed here it's allowed there yeah or it will soon know yeah and you're just yeah. like because you're comfortable because it's not happening to you right now yeah it will come for you. Oh, there's is, that whole that came, you know, they came for the Jews and I didn't speak yeah. up, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, like, that that made me want to be more aware of, like, people that were, one, different than me. Two, what are they saying mm-hmm. when they're saying, you know, I'm experiencing hate. Like, people, I my, da- my daily living is miserable because of X, Y, Z. Mm-hmm. Before I'd be like, well, I don't know. I mean, but how can I say I don't know to your experience? Mm-hmm. You know, and I guess someone can lie about their experience, but why? Why yeah. would they? Why would you lie about that? You mm-hmm. know, like, and I'm sure there are a few bad actors, but I would say the majority of people are saying, hey, there's a problem with systemic racism in policing, mm-hmm. and we're experiencing this. And like when I talk with some of my black friends, they're like yeah, we teach our kids from when they're young, what to do with your hands, how to address the officer. Like I never had to worry about that. Yeah. I never had to worry about that growing up. I was never afraid when I got pulled over Mm -hmm. that I would be even arrested. Yeah. I've never been arrested. And I was never afraid that like I was going to be abused by the police Mm -hmm. ever. I was told to be polite. Don't piss them off. But I never had that fear of I might die in this interaction. Yeah. No, I never had that fear. And because that doesn't it's, happen it's not as a much. Concern. <laughs> yeah. And when I realized that there were real people, real people that did experience that, that really like made me go, Oh my God. You know, mm-hmm. like I really like that got me involved in local politics. Like, mm-hmm. like I'd never been involved like really in politics, politics. I don't want to be involved in that. Yeah. That's, that's really convenient yeah. if the politics don't affect you Yeah, and the status quo stays the same. You're fine. Mm-hmm. You know, but they won't, it'll, or it won't. And it'll come for you eventually. Like you said. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. That's like oversimplifying, but I, so all of 2015, all of that questioning of my faith and then, I didn't want to just replace like going to church with like, I'm going to be politically active. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be socially conscious or whatever. Like I didn't want to just like, I'm swapping one thing for a a worshiping of another thing. Yeah. Cause that easily happens. Yeah. Yeah. But I also couldn't get away from the fact that that I thought those things were very important. 
Yeah. Like something about this feels like it is very important for me to care about it. You mm-hmm. know? Well, just foundation in general. Like it's something we all seek, right? Yeah. You hope it's a healthy one. Yeah. You hope, you're like hoping this is healthy. <laughs> and, um, or a, a you know a, a a productive one a, in defense of, of of other people. That's you know a foundation in that what you're doing now. Black Lives Matter, and so does yours. You know. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Mm. Yeah, and that's and so like that song on my album. It's called Me in a Nutshell. I wrote in a. Cl- I was taking a class on how to do a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the the challenges was to uh, tell write a write as long a journal as you want about everything you're doing right now, mm-hmm. everything like all the things you're into. So I wrote this like four page. Then take that journal and condense it down to one page, all the things. Now take that and condense it down to a paragraph. Now write a song. Damn. And so right. yeah, that's that's, and that's what I did, and that's what Mean in a Nutshell was sort of that like, mm-hmm. and that was a weird song for me to put on the record because it felt like coming out as a not believer mm-hmm. like there was lines in there like it's not like the whole song isn't like i don't like god anymore and but there's like there's a line that is um uh, let's see uh, grew up in a christian church christian college christian merch in a bubble in a lurch in the lurch now i think that bubbles burst i think i'll still talk to god if he's there or if he's not reevaluate my thoughts not toss it all but still take a walk black lives matter so do you jesus christ and buddha too from the bottom of my soul i just want to be made whole and that for me was like really hard to like release mm. because it out i'm saying it out loud permanently mm-hmm in a fixed medium and who knows my mind may change you know but <laughs> you can amend it later if i can you amend it, it later yeah. i could rewrite it um but like i knew that some people would hear that and be really like upset uh, yeah the funny <laughs> thing is it's like it sounds so positively like i don't know just charming like yeah and some of that's i don't know it's just like how i because I, I feel like I do recognize that, like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I really don't know. I just know that my brain is, like, not okay with the thing the way it is. Yeah. And I've got to be true to myself and, like, true to the um, where it leads me. Mm-hmm. Like, where my thought process leads me. And it, I feel like as long as I maintain my love for people being kind and, 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 and which I think is what I kind of like gathered in church Mm -hmm. and what I, like I said, like what I, I understood about Jesus, um, was like caring for those that are not able to take care of themselves or, Mm -hmm. or who are oppressed or who are, you know, so that to me felt really important, like a core thing, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, so like that's what so it's all about. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. And that's why I think like when I get down to it, like love is all you need, Beatles. Yeah. Or something. Which I would have said is sappy, but now I'm like, I think love is all we need. <laughs> like I think there's something about love that might be spiritual, mm-hmm. you know, that might be otherworldly, 
or it may just be it may be a biological process I, I think it's somewhere in between like I think there's something mystical that I don't understand and um, and before I would have been very sure and I would have told you it's the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. you know and now I'm like I don't know maybe it might be the Holy Spirit you kind of miss knowing though right? I do miss yeah. knowing I miss I miss being sure mm-hmm. um, and it's like yeah I miss it mm-hmm. I miss it yeah I, I, I miss it too sometimes but I don't know it's been 12 years so I've had some time yeah, yeah like I still just like that it's like it's so weird I'll turn on and off mm-hmm. um. there, there was something <laughs> so strong so it's such a strength in that in that belief that it's yeah. really hard to get past yeah it's like um, and and to like question it was yeah this is super painful but also super freeing too yeah I feel it, it's weird like it don't it doesn't always hit me like this and I've had like a pretty emotional week mm-hmm. um, uh, a lot of things going on a lot of things um, and like my dad mm-hmm. relationships um, just like things where really hard things I never thought I would deal with as an adult, you know, like, Mm. like I never thought I would hurt, like hurt a person, you know, like you, like you've ever said something where you hurt someone and then just so regret, like, you're like, I did not (laughs) me. I did not intend that. And I've done that with some adults in my life and like felt so much sorrow and Mm. regret and like wish I could take, back things you know Mm -hmm. and 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 yet um i can't you know Mm -hmm. and like so like again i think like my i think this album is like me like dealing with all that trying to maintain like some hope like there's my the first single is don't give up you know Mm -hmm. it's like this old song that didn't want to record because it was too poppy or too positive or I didn't want to mess it up either because I, I, li- <laughs> I liked it I liked it some for something about it and now I can sing that and be sincere and mean it and have like songs about like total like I don't know if God's exi- exists anymore <laughs> you know yeah but On that's the what I love record. about the the honesty of the album and the honesty of the title everything about it when you say all we need is love and, and that's what you want to convey, you really did. You did not get lost in the weeds of that spiritual angst or what did you call it? Uh, psychic pain. Yeah, psychic pain. You didn't get lost in the weeds of that. And that is, I can't imagine how difficult that must have been to not yell into the mic a bunch yeah. of times. I think to, I had some songs like that yeah. in 2015. There's probably, yeah. Yeah, this was. You could have Trent Reznor the hell out of that <laughs> one. Trent Reznor, <laughs> about this record. But you didn't. It was just. It was pure joy. Like this is a, a happy record. 
Yeah, it is. It is actually a pretty happy yeah. record, despite the you know the content that you know the doubt and the yeah everything. It's I don't know. It, it's good. Yeah, happy, I wanted love. Yeah, and the the last song on the album is called "Some Hopes," mm. and I wrote it with uh, my friend Ethan Akamura, who I met in ta- with in Taxi mm. also. Um, in fact, I've t- a couple. Katie and I wrote the first song on the record. Um, and that, that song was written this year mm-hmm. in February for February album writing month. And I'm mm-hmm. like, and it was like really close to like when I was going to have to like start finalizing stuff for the record. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I think I'm going to put this song on the, I think this is going to be the first song on the album. Hmm. Um, Cause Katie, like the, <laughs> she basically created the melody for that song. I wrote, I sang it, but it was like this, harmony like a lower harmony mm-hmm. like now when i hear it i'm like of course but like when she sang i was like oh okay that's the melody <laughs> that's how <laughs> it's like going. She, yeah, yeah yeah and uh like totally transformed the song for me too um and made it super cool and then there's another song i wrote with amanda uh west who i've she's actually i consider her kind of the second half of future kings of denmark she lives in ireland mm-hmm. and she's a lyricist and so she'll write lyrics like boom, 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 like so fast. And I, lyric writing is, I write lyrics, but it's not easy for me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I tend to write like just off the top of my head and then kind of go with whatever came out and make little tweaks. Sometimes I don't tweak it at all unless it just doesn't make any sense, I guess. <laughs> um, I've released songs where it's just like, I just, whatever came out, that's like what's there. But, um, there's a oh, so Ethan. And mm-hmm. the last song. So the last song is called Some Hopes. And um, it's, uh, I wanted to end like that. Uh, and it's not, nothing, I don't think any of the songs has like this concrete, this is what is true. It's more like, it's a lot of questions, but like with my my hope for some sort of optimism, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, there's a hope. Let's see. There's a that I find peeking through like the sun when the clouds open up some hopes you could hang your head on. I I have another guitar that I normally play it on. It's like in this weird tuning. Mm -hmm. But um, I was up at my friend's. He lives up in Bolinas near like really right next to San Francisco. And it was beautiful and we're just hanging out and we just i started playing this like riff and we started like just those words came out like um i don't know where that came from and i was like and when i wrote that i was like in the middle of deconstructing or whatever Mm -hmm. you know i think I'm, i'm still in the process but i think i'm clearly out of like where i started um but even with all that like I really do for myself want hope, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and I, my last two, my last three records tend to be more like melancholy, but like, I don't know. And it's weird because like a lot of those were pre deconstruction or Mm -hmm. like I wasn't, I mean, maybe there were seeds there, you know, but something uh, was peeking through. Yeah. Something was peeking through. Mm -hmm. And, um, Yeah, I don't even remember what we're talking about. The last song of the album. So mm. I wanted to end with like that, that hope. 
but it's also like got a little like wisp of sadness. Um, and, but it, but it's, I think that's like how life is, you know, mm. as I understand it is like, man, there's some really amazing stuff and there's some really stuff that just breaks your heart. Mm. And, um, like even my mom, like just like her dealing with my dad, like helping him, like she, he's in a bed. He can't, he hasn't, can't get out of bed on his own. Mm. He probably will never get out of bed again. Um, but he has his faculties, which is great. Mm. But like her, like she wakes up like every night, every couple hours and rotates him. So he won't get bed sores. Mm. And, and, um, and that's really hard and it requires a lot of energy, but also she's so happy that she gets to be with him now. Like, cause he was in like nursing homes and the hospital and, yeah. and they actually took him out earlier against the doctor's orders mm. because he wasn't doing great and he's doing a lot better at home. You just, it just feels better to be at home. Mm-hmm. Um, around but, people you love. Yeah. Yeah. Around people you love. And that change, that's makes people, you know, that for whatever reason, when you are somewhere where you feel loved, you can heal. Um, mm-hmm. Or at least you can be at peace. You know, Sarah Silverman became church for me during the pandemic which is so (laughs) bizarre to say um i love her Mm -hmm. love her and i love her desire to she has a i don't know what the i don't know if she came up with the same she's this has been said before you go where the love is Mm -hmm. you you tend to gravitate towards a place where you feel loved Mm -hmm. um and then I like I watched her show before the pandemic, I think. Or yeah, I think it was before the pandemic. It's called Sarah Silverman Loves America or something like that. Yeah. And it was a really odd show, but it was really cool and it like hooked me like how much she just wanted to really connect with people and like love people that were very different than her. Mm-hmm. And I saw her do that like on Twitter there was this like total skinhead um, guy who just like called her like the C word or he, hmm. like mm. he just like was so angry and she just instead of eviscerating him like she absolutely could because she's super smart mm. she like kind of reached out to him and said hey what's going on you seem really agitated and and like for whatever reason her responding with compassion like flipped something this guy now they're like buddies he's no longer a skinhead it's it absolutely like to me it was like hearing oh jesus changed his life yeah except in this case love (laughs) changed his life yeah like literally pulled him out like because and she encouraged the people that were around her to like you know not destroy this guy (laughs) because like i could see them like just you know like trolls go in in a place and they're they're hurt and they're hurting people and they're getting that feedback of like just people agitating Mm. and 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 they I think they feel a little bit because someone's seeing them, you know, mm. and like to be seen, but also loved is like, I think the ultimate, possibly the ultimate human experience, like to be seen by someone and loved by them mm-hmm. um, is, is it's something you don't get in a troll farm. So you don't get it in the troll farm. Yeah. And when someone comes to the troll farm and does that, it's like blows your mind, you know, you hear those stories and they almost sound unbelievable. Like there's that guy who converts clan members and collects their robes. Yeah. Ah, I forgot 
this guy. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. I know 100% who you're talking about. But it's like, it's not how I would respond. And yeah. when I hear it, I'm like, eviscerate <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but that's not what works. Yeah. But that's the that's the knee-jerk response is like to join it and to, yeah. to enhance it. And it's not good. No. Hate, it feels like I've, I've never seen hate change somebody like for the better no hate kills it does and it's like it feels very hippie to say like love is all you need again back to that but like that love sarah silverman who was in a position of power Mm -hmm. over this guy who had no you know he had no status or whatever um chose a different path that changed his life forever i think i Mm -hmm. think hopefully still i i think it i think it has and uh that to me is like another indicator whether or not God is real. Love is real. Something about that way we interact on that level mm. is a real thing. I don't understand all the mechanics of it. I don't understand if it's like purely biological or if it's spiritual in nature or metaphysical or, or mm. like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to understand that, but I do know I look forward to I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. Um, I think that is actually, I think I am Forrest Gump of indie folk music. Uh, I'm not very smart, but I sort of, I, I, I downgrade myself. Uh, I'm take, I'm in therapy. Uh, hey, you're an artist. It's in your nature. It is. I, I, it feels really pretentious to say I'm an artist, but. Um, I'll say it I, for you. Thank you. I, I, I do. I just, I want, you know, I want to love people. I want to learn how to love myself. Um, that's the song I wrote with Amanda on the record is mm. called peace with myself. And it's like, it's a very basic song. It's very simple, but like I had a long conversation with her about my faith issues and like struggling with like all these things. And this was like before I was like locked into it, like mm-hmm. she had written it. And I was like, oh, this record, this song is perfect. This is actually perfect for this record. And it's like, if I can live at peace with myself, I can live at peace with everybody else. And that doesn't, and that's not me saying, well, I'm not going to march with Black Lives Matter, like, because that's not peaceful. Um, but it's also uh, realizing that there's a lot of internal work that needs to be done if I want to change someone else. Like, I think Sarah Silverman did a lot of internal work. Yeah to get to the place where she's like, I can love this guy that just called me the worst thing he could possibly call me or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, like I, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be like, I don't want to be a martyr. I don't want to go out like Martin Luther <laughs> King or Gandhi or whatever. Like, I don't want to be assassinated. I don't like, I don't feel like I ever want to be like that, mm-hmm. but I do want to just like love people in my sphere of influence and try to like i don't know find that like line like between like i want to advocate for people and stand up for them and give a big fuck you to the you know like whatever group is like oppressing Mm -hmm. somebody but also like realize that try to love somehow the oppressors and find that line because ultimately i will stand with someone who is being oppressed that is my default like to that's what i want to be yeah but um but i also have this deep desire to connect with people 
like I have, I have a lot of people I work with who have very different political views than me, mm-hmm. you know, but we've, I have a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. So I can actually say, man, I don't, I do not understand why you think that like, mm-hmm. and, and help me understand or tell me something. And like, like really good people. And I think they think that about me too. They probably think I'm like a really, I'm a communist Libby liberal, <laughs> whatever, which I'm so far from that. Like, I mean, I'm probably way more than like some people, some of my previous friends or current, you know, current friends that were more than them. Yeah. Yeah. But like, and like, but well, we can talk and they, I think they think that about me and I think you're a crazy Trump person or whatever, mm-hmm. but I know them and I've seen them interact with people and I know that they're loving and so, like, I try to, like, when I see absolute statements made about groups of people by mm. anybody, I kind of, I'm like, I do get it. I don't, I also hate Donald Trump. Mm. I, I despise the man. Um, but I don't think that everybody is because they, like Donald Trump, maybe even own a T-shirt or a hat, mm. that they're evil. And I, I think that's a danger, too, to, like, like lump like that. Mm. I also think that there's danger in like following like blindly a, a figure, a cult figure of yeah. any kind, you know? Yeah. Because you can easily say that, you know, they're not evil, but you have to re- recognize they are following evil. Yeah. They're, they're allowing they're like, adjacent. Oh gosh, man, the stuff with like the LGBTQ laws in Texas and in uh, Florida, and they yeah. have opened a floodgate for other kind of conservative states who want to like kind of kick in with that. Yeah, it bolstered a lot of people. And it's just like I'm like, oh my gosh, and I feel like I know genuine good people of good intent mm-hmm. feel that this is eroding. Uh, morals so that's why they're doing it mm-hmm. you know and it's like okay I'm not going to try and convince them yeah because I will not convince them what I am going to do is work with the people that are have a similar view as me and and move forward with what I believe is right you got to do what you can because yeah. you can't convince these people swear to God that they are doing the right thing yeah to God yeah for God, for in God. the name of God, yeah, God wants this. Fight that. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not. You're not going to change. You're not going to talk them out of it. Probably. Yeah. The only way you can get someone out of that is you can love them out of it, like in a radical, Sarah Silverman Jesus way. Yeah. That's... She's who's who's a self-described godless Jew. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Whose album before that was Jesus is Magic. Jesus is Magic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, I love it. I've never seen it. I really want to see it. Like, I I know it will, I would probably love it now. It will hit me a totally different way yeah. than it would have <laughs> 10 years ago where I'd be, like, kind of offended or whatever. You got to go back to old things. If you haven't done this already, go back to old things that might have offended you. And oh. See, see how they... Oh, my gosh. See how they hold up. I'm, there's a lot of movies that yeah. I, I wouldn't even watch. Yeah. I wouldn't even watch it. And Constantine's now, still stuck. So. Okay. <laughs> I never saw Constantine. I think someone told me it wasn't good, so I just didn't watch it. Maybe I'll just keep that. I'm going to keep that streak. But there's like <laughs> certain movies or shows that I just wouldn't watch. Yeah. And like now I'm like, oh, wow, this is really cool. Or George Carlin, you know, like like certain comedians where I'm like, oh, I can't. This too. It's a, uh, what's the word? 
heretical or, or yeah or, you know um and that's now, exactly it because like he you realize later that okay he wasn't he was being a dick about it sometimes but at the same time he was really trying to come at it with a, a feeling of love too it's like look you're, you're caught up in this something that doesn't make any sense and it's kind of ruining your life and it's making things very weird <laughs> you know yeah yeah did you and watch that special on his, george carlin no oh, it's really like good. a documentary yeah oh no oh it's it's really good. i've seen so many of his his actual specials that like, it's excellent yeah. it's excellent um yeah so like that so I, I'm seeing things in a different light now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm experiencing shades of color kind of that like were dulled to me before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm open to different experiences that I would never have been open to. Um, I'm, it's, if it's kind of amazing, you know, it's, it's weird. It's like, it's heartbreak and beauty. Yeah. You know, it's like, Oh man, so many cool things and like so many cool people. Like like my last week, like last week with the recording group, man. It was just like it was magical. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was just beautiful people who are passionate about making music, hanging out, just like like going out to have drinks or like have a gummy or something mm-hmm. and like be a little high and enjoy life. Mm-hmm. And it was like I'm an adult. I could do that, and it's legal. So. I think I'm going to do that. You know, like things you would have never thought about doing before. Never, yeah. never, <laughs> not at all. And, and now I'm like, you know what? I think that's kind of cool. And we're having a lot of fun. And this is, this is, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. You know? And like, I don't want to live my whole life high. I don't think. Um, but I, yeah, you don't become a stoner. right? Yeah. Like, I, you... I don't know if I want to be a stoner, but I'm, I'm, but I like, now I'm like people that are, I'm like, I get it. And I don't like, I was so judgmental. <laughs> yeah. I was so judgmental before. Um, it's easy. It is. It's, it's really easy. easy. Well, especially it's... if you grow up in the church. Yeah. Well, it's, Cause that's it's also the whole easy. thing. I guess everybody <laughs> defaults to being judgmental. I mean, everyone's judgmental. There's We're all pieces of pe- shit. We are <laughs> deep down. Like we shit. all have, we all have those tendencies, yeah. but also at the same time, especially with, I hate stoner culture. I love weed, but I hate stoner culture. So it's easy to be judgmental. I totally get it. What what from stoner culture would you say is something you hate about stoner culture? Uh, oh, just the pure obsession with like talking about nothing else. Okay. Yeah, which is weird because all I talk about is music. So. <laughs> You're part of that music culture. Yeah, but I don't. I don't get weed on that level, and when you talk to people like that, you don't get a whole lot. Of, I don't get a whole lot out of it where it's like this isn't really an intellectual thing people aren't thinking about weed in a certain way you're not doing anything with it you're not and then it makes me think well do you have to be productive on it and why can't you just enjoy it but then can we talk about something else and like you know it turns into i'm an asshole so am i the asshole (laughs) yeah (laughs) are we the baddies Yeah. yeah and it's yeah so i'm 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 now at that point where I'm like, you know, I just want, I just want to like love people like where they're at as they are mm-hmm. to the best of my ability, which with all of my fucked up brain processing, mm-hmm. you know, that, that I'm working on reprogramming myself, 
you know yeah uh those synapses to like like a lot of it ultimately comes down to like loving myself which i always would have thought was so selfish um it always sounded selfish it sounded really selfish because mm. you're supposed to sacrifice everything for jesus and give it all to god and and not think about yourself but think about everybody else mm-hmm. but i think what i've learned in therapy and other groups is loving myself enables me to love other people mm-hmm. and that when i have that basis of like caring for myself i can then care for others kind of yeah. like putting the oxygen mask on yourself before your child in an airplane because if you pass out while you're trying to put the mask on your child you'll never get them out of the plane so yeah. they might pass out for a second but you'll get your air mask on boom baby bam there's oxygen mm-hmm. and and then you're taken care of and i think it's kind of like that like caring for yourself and your own needs helps you also have the emotional energy or strength to like help other people. Um, Oh, for sure. Otherwise it's just, you're just hearing everyone else's voice. You have no frame of reference to who are you to offer advice or who, you know, if you don't, if you can't help yourself. Yeah. You know, if you can't tend to your own house. Yeah. Who's that guy that says clean your room, uh, or make your bed, make your bed every morning. Jordan Peterson. He always says like, if you can't make your bed every morning, do the simplest task the first, as the first thing when you wake up. But who are you to take on the world and tell other people what to do? That's actually good, and I don't yeah. like Jordan Peterson at all. Yeah, but, <laughs> but it's a good quote, right? <laughs> that is a good quote. That's a good quote, and I, 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 I agree. I think mm. taking on small things. Th- this is stuff from, uh, like, uh, AA mm. or Al-Anon. Um, clean your side of the road. Oh, uh, like. It's classic Jesus okay, story. <laughs> uh, you know, take care of the the log in your own eye yeah. before you try to pluck a speck out of your brother's eye. Like there's a there's a giant tree growing out of this eye and you don't see the hypocrisy of it before you reach into someone else and get this tiny little speck. Yeah. And I think though I think those like quotes are like all, you know, about loving people, I think. Yeah. You know, like you care about them enough that you you don't call them out on some like tiny little thing when you've got this other whole issue and yeah. you're not seeing it. You're knocking stuff over with this tree in your eye. Yeah. <laughs> there was a band called plank eye from the nineties. <laughs> they were, they were actually the lead singer kind of helped sign us to the label we were on. But mm. that was from that. I pre- I'm, I'm 90% sure. I'm pretty sure that's what that was. Plank eye, <laughs> but um, get the plank out of your own eye before you try to pull the splinter out of your brother's eye. And it seems to say two different things, too. Like, one, make sure you're okay before you help anyone else because you won't be able to help anyone else. But then it also speaks to hypocrisy. Who are you to tell me anything if you can't take the plank out of your own eye? Yeah. It says uh, two very different messages. Yeah. But, I don't know, take them both, right? Yeah. 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 I'm I'm much more into now embracing, like, the holding to what feel like very opposite things Mm -hmm. at the same time and like sitting with the sitting with the discomfort of stuff yeah because it's that or be really upset all the time that it's (laughs) just uncomfortable yeah you know like i'm a a people pleasing my default people pleasing um uh fixing things Mm -hmm. and like wanting to like 
move in to like make it better. And one of the things that I've learned is that like, I can't one, I can't change anybody really. Mm-hmm. There's, I can live my life in such a way that maybe someone would want to maybe change or like be inspired by it. Like I'm inspired by lots of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but like me just kind of coming in at someone telling me you got to do this very rarely is effective. And, and oh yeah, that's never the approach. It's yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're, I know I'm rambling. So anyway, no, I you can't <laughs> even tell yourself that approach it approach yourself with that with that mentality of like just get up and do it or just yeah no it yeah. doesn't work like that. No. it just does. and it's hard to it's hard to get past that thinking that that would work and maybe you have to do it a thousand times to realize that it doesn't yeah hopefully the, it doesn't take that long and that process of like like loving yourself or accepting yourself like how much like grace and kindness I have for other people mm-hmm. that I don't have for myself, like that I won't forgive myself or I won't, I'll beat myself up about something. Mm-hmm. And then, but I can be like real, tr- have like this real, like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that's happening to you. And, and it's like, I gotta like learn how to like have that for myself too, mm-hmm. which is really, really hard. I don't know why it's so hard. And I think it's hard for a lot of people. I think some people less than others, but Um, I think some of that has to do with my growing up in the church and like putting other people first, putting other people first. And I, I still love the idea of putting other people first. I do. I think I really do think it's important. I think it's a good, I think it's good to put other people first Mm -hmm. because that could just be, because that's what I grew up hearing. Yeah. uh, It's for some reason (laughs) it resonates with me, like as an important thing, you know, like for lots of different people that I've talked with, you know, like, Mm -hmm love you know i feel like it circles back to love always i yeah always always love not a surf good song always love not a surf do you know not a surf oh not a surf not a surf the band had a song Ah. called 90s another 90s alert a name i've always heard never got around to they're great band love they have a song called always love Mm. oh it's so good it's on an album called the weight is a gift. Mm. It's that good. Deep. <laughs> it's a deep. That's a great. That's a great band. Oh, I'll check that out. Always love. Hate will get you every time. Always love. Such a good. This is a beautiful song. So good. It's so good. Yeah. So you're gonna have to look that. Oh, Viewers, for sure. Not a surf. The weight is a gift. They came up. Uh, a few episodes ago. Oh yeah, I forgot who brought them up. That yeah. that band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're cool. They're a cool band. <laughs> they had a real they had that song popular was their kind of hit. It was like a like, kind of like this talking part, kind of like how Weezer had the again like, undone. You have the oh, sweater yeah. song. It's like, hey man, how's the party? Yeah, it's cool. Boom, doom, boom, doom, Yeah, and like popular had like this breakdown part where they're just sort of talking about popularity mm. and like. The, the negative aspects of popularity are like trying to be cool. Yeah. And then, and then it had like a pretty poppy, cool indie alt rock <laughs> chorus thing, you know? Yeah. Um, but they've evolved like really, really awesome, uh, band and they're still like out playing and touring and yeah. material too. And I've heard, I haven't heard the latest, I haven't heard the latest record, but, um, they're really good. They're I'd like really to find good. them. Yeah. Maybe they could play Pomona. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I wanted, I'd, lo- I'd love to see them. I have never seen them live. 
well, Stephen, it's been a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. This is a lot of fun, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me over. (laughs) Let's uh, let's plug the record, man. All right. Yeah. Where do we find it? It's on. uh, Is it is it open on Bandcamp? Right now, it's on Bandcamp. Mm -hmm. August, the actual the worldwide release for um, streaming will be October fourth, August 9th. I don't even know when this comes out, whenever you put this out. Um, mm-hmm. But August 9th will be the first single, Don't Give Up. And mm-hmm. that will be on all the streaming. Uh, uh, actually, I have it written down. Let's see. Uh, oh, man, we are way ahead of the game here. Yeah, I know. Okay, so I'll give you the release release information. So let's see. Don't Give Up is August 9th. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the 23rd will be Maybe Jesus Knew What He Was Talking About. Mm-hmm. And then the September 6th will be Magnets. Oh, that's a good song. Mm, I do like Magnets. I'm excited about that. Oh, I got to send you, uh, you closed with Magnets. Yeah, we closed with Magnets. Uh, I recorded. AKA Ba Ba Ba. Ba Ba Ba. The Ba 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 Sing song. along. <laughs> you'll, what did Katie say? Sing along, you'll figure it out. <laughs> you'll figure it out. It's, we repeated a couple times. We repeated a couple times. I got to send you that video. Yeah, I love. I can't wait to see it. And my friend filmed it, so like we just like we actually put a thing out. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, he filmed the whole thing with like a really cool camera. Mm. Um, and so we're gonna put out like like the live episode, like things of the show. But, oh, nice. So uh, I'm on Spotify. You can follow me on Spotify, mm-hmm. Stephen Wesley Giles. You can go to newcoolnow.com. It's probably mm-hmm. the easiest thing to type for people because Stephen Wesley Giles is fraught with spelling problems um <laughs> uh so if you go to new cool now you can see Stephen wesley giles and you can see all this other stuff that i i'm involved with but that'll take you there cool and you can follow me on instagram s w giles sam wilson g u i l e i don't know the, the yankee <laughs> hotel foxtrot um and is there anything else um i'm playing august 5th at no future cafe in Pasadena. Oh, cool. It's a really cool little venue. If you've never been there, you should no. definitely go check it out. It's really cool. Great. And uh, my friend John R is going to be playing. And oh. and uh, my name is Milk. Dude, you should talk with John guy. R, dude. I talked to him at the merch table. He's I didn't have any cash. I felt insane. <laughs> he's written so many songs. Are you familiar with T-Bone Burnett? But he's a producer. He produced Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yes. Album. Yes. I he, was like, why do I know that name? Yeah. He like picked up one of John's albums. Like John went to this thing at Citrus college and T-Bone was speaking and he had a CD and he actually like got back to him and like talked. With oh, him. whoa. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He was he's, a really nice guy too. He's really nice. And he is, a, he is a true poet. Like he's a artist poet. I, I don't know. He, he amazes me. All yeah. Time. I wanted to dive into his work too. Dude, he's, that's a, that's a deep dive. Is it? Yeah. yeah, it's a deep dive. But he's 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 incredible. As long as it's not guided by voices deep. It's, not, it's not that. Time. It's not quite that deep yet. <laughs> it's not Yola Tango. Um, oh God, that's another one. That's another one that they're really great too. Uh, I'm not afraid of you, and I will beat your ass. That's the oh only one. Oh my God, one. this song title is so good. Yeah, it's the only one I'm gonna listen to because I don't want to <sighs> keep going. There's they have a lot. They have a lot. There's a, they have some really good they stuff have too. So much. So much. Yeah, but they're cool. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, the album's coming out. It's already oh, it's on Bandcamp. So if you go to New Cool Now, or if you just put you know Stephen Wesley Giles, 
Bandcamp. Yeah, I wasn't sure it's, if you gave you can, me up. You can buy it and download it. <laughs> um, you can buy it and download it if you want it right now, or if you want to wait for streaming. Mm-hmm. It's in October. The full album will be out. Awesome. So cool. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for doing this, man. I'm pleasure. Pleasure was mine. <laughs>